see Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's game day. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Uh, good morning. Hopefully everyone's still sleeping. <laughs> no, that's not good for us, Fred. Well, you know, for us, we're here anyway. So the people that are awake and getting ready, you know, my wife and I were outside yesterday cleaning the grill. A tip. If you have a grill, a regular grill, a, grill, a mm-hmm. gas grill, clean it like a couple times a year, not once every like five or six years. That's a good point. Because it takes a long time. I would also suggest maybe cleaning it after every use. Well, I mean, you, I clean the grates and all oh, that okay. stuff. Oh, okay, all right. But I mean, like the insides and got everything it, got from it. the, you know, we have a gas grill and the insides kind of get older. Mm-hmm. And the, sure. On our Weber Genesis, it's, a, it's old. My wife goes, we should just buy a new one. I look and I go, no, we should clean this one. I've seen the prices of the new ones. No, yeah, no, no. We should clean expensive. this one. Yeah, it was very, very warm. So uh, Memorial Day weekend, a lot of people getting ready uh, to uh, drink a lot of beer, enjoy themselves, and watch more basketball. I know Sylvie and a lot of people were looking forward to two game sevens, and that's what we're getting in the NBA. You'll hear both of them right here on ESPN 1000. Last night, there was so much to watch yesterday. I mean, I, I, I was here with Murph, and I got home. And then I was watching uh, the White Sox at 3 o'clock. But before that, I was watching the Champions League. And then the White Sox ended and the Cubs began. And then the Cubs were playing. And then the basketball began. And my wife goes, Jeff, I said, no, I got to go to bed. I go, the day's over. The sports viewing's over. I, I have to go to bed and get up tomorrow morning and go talk sports. So, I mean, it was nonstop, basically, from the start of the... Actually, if you're really a if soccer fan, you really fan, wanted to get into it yesterday. You could watch. You could have watched Fulham and Aston Villa, and uh, that started at eleven. So I actually listened to it on the way home on Sirius Satellite. Yeah, it was a beautiful day outside yeah. yesterday. What a better day to sit inside and watch sports all day. <laughs> well, I, you How know. pathetic are the three of us? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll, at least we went to dinner outside, but still watched the game. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll oh, give there's us nothing credit better for that. than Chris being the guy that's oh, like, no. could you please put that TV? On the NBA game, well, and then when they switch it during uh, halftime to the back to the Cubs unbelievable. game, unbelievable. And he's like the first guy, like, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> this guy thinks I'm waving. Well, <laughs> well, but here, here's the thing, guys. Um, we all have gone to bars. Yeah. We've gone to restaurants. It's something Abdul and I have talked about years ago. Is that every restaurant or bar there should be a pecking order of a sports yes, there czar. Should. Who is the person in control of making sure the correct games are being shown. Mm -hmm. Now, yet everyone may have their own specific preference. But listen, Iowa football fan or Indiana football fan, move along to the side when there's more important games going on. But 
There's nothing more annoying than being at a bar where they just have like all on the same game that's not an important game. Yeah. Yet there are important games going on and they don't quite know how to function. And then they're going to the guide and then they're going to sports and then basketball. It's like it's TNT. Like, like it's how do you not know where TNT is in this day and age? Like it's not that difficult. It's the only NBA game yeah. going on. Also, this if you're a bar or a restaurant, Spend the extra money for the extra boxes. I don't want to see I can't change that TV because it's tied to that TV and they're watching that game. So if I change that channel, it changes that channel. Get the extra. Listen, if you're a restaurant and you're in business still, you're probably making a decent uh, Usually. So, Brad, this is how it works. The sports czar in each bar Mm -hmm. is like a title that you get based on like badges. Per yeah. se. So it's like an app deal. So gotcha. like if you walk into a bar, you might be the highest ranking sports are. So it's up to you to make sure that the people are happy. Right. All the and, people, not and just you. Not just you. Yes. Everyone. Okay. It, it, Everyone. Yes, it okay. comes with great weight and, and responsibility. It is not for you to go put on the Sacramento Kings with on every great single power TV. Comes great responsibility. Exactly. Uh-huh. And, and whoever and once you leave, that title then goes to the next highest person do you have to point that person out ahead of time or do no, they but, just but automatically and when they walk in if there's a dilemma it's get, up to them yeah, to su- settle it out i mean there, yeah. there's no reason that you're turning off a, a warriors playoff game last night it's unbelievable okay we don't it? we don't have to waste any more time on it. they eventually turned it back thank uh, god uh, about 10 years ago i was at a bar i was at a bar in boston and the uh not the north end but in the uh, area near faneuil hall and all that stuff and we're at the bar and all of a sudden um i'm trying to catch a game and they had tennis on. So we went downstairs to another TV, and they had two TVs in the bar, and both of them had the same thing on. And I said, can we turn that TV on to the game, the baseball game? And he goes, um, both, that, that works. both TVs work on the same thing. I go, you've got to be out of your <laughs> Right? I go, give me a splitter. I said, I'll go down to the corner. I'll get you a splitter. I can split your signal. It's Not ridiculous, a big deal. isn't it? Yeah, and the guy I was with says, calm down. Calm well, down, it's their bar. You know, and last night, uh, Abdallah and I were the only two on the patio actually looking at the TV. Yeah. So it wasn't like we were uh, not, it wasn't like we were obstructing people who were watching the baseball game right. from watching the right. game. Nobody was paying attention to it. We were the only two watching the Warriors, and then they just flipped it back to baseball, and we're like, hold on, what are you, what are you doing? You got a baseball game right there. Like, yeah. wait. We need every TV on baseball. This is listen, what we're doing on May twenty seventh. Listen, or whatever I, un- day it is. I understand. I understand you completely because me being a White Sox fan, I cannot tell you the number of times I've walked into a bar and they have thirteen TVs and twelve are on the Cubs and one's on golf. Yes, and there's yeah. no White Sox game out anywhere. <laughs> a golf and, golf replay from like, the morning before. And I like raise yeah. my hand. I say, "Excuse <laughs> me, is there someone here that can turn one TV on the White Sox game? Just one. I'm not asking for s- several. Just the one I can see. Even yeah. if I have to like lean over." Something I understand. There's a lot of people here watching the Cub game or so not like, watching. If you it. walked into a bar and you were the sports star, and last night you wanted the fire game on, but there's only three TVs, and you've got to have the well, Cubs game, you're bringing you've up a whole different problem. The Warriors game, and then you're like, well, well, let's say the fire game was on TV, okay, and then. <laughs> <laughs> you had to you can catch all those games on ESPN, ESPN Plus, Plus exactly. right on your phone. Exactly. Abdullah. To be honest with you, I went into a bar to pick up. I went into a place to pick up ribs. Mm-hmm. Okay, and as I'm waiting for the ribs, obviously the fire game is on ESPN Plus, and I'm mm-hmm. sitting there going, "Well, I'm missing." I go, "Well, no, I'm not missing anything." You're never I missing anything. My, I picked up my phone, and as I was waiting, I watched the 80th, the 81st, the 82nd minute yeah, of great. the game. Then I got back in my car, drove the two minutes, and my wife. I left the game on my iPad. At home, and my wife said, were you listening to the game? I said, well, not in the car. Um, 
she said, they scored. I go, who scored? Who scored? Yeah. They. Yeah, they. they. So she, goes, she goes, no, no, the fire scored. They, they're up two to one. I said, okay, great. So I watched the end and caught the end of that and then watched the rest of the basketball. And uh, it, was, it was a fun night last night. I mean, if you watch the first half of that game, and I am one of those guys who, you know, want to see, I kind of wanted to see Golden State lose. And they're not going to. Uh, or at least, after, you know, after what the last three quarters last night. They had, there's no reason they should lose. When, and when you when you go out, you don't play any defense. I mean, you know, Houston's going to be able to run it up. I looked at the stats, and I know you guys do this too. You look at stats and break things down. And do you know that uh, Golden State only had one more three yesterday than Houston did? Yeah, Houston shot what, like forty percent from three last night? 30, 30, yeah, thirty-eight percent. Thirty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. So the Rockets didn't lose because of the threes necessarily. They mm-hmm. lost because. They just couldn't play any defense to anybody else. Yep. And Kevin Durant, you're lucky that Kevin, Golden State Warrior fans are lucky that Kevin Durant started the third quarter on the bench. Mm-hmm. Because that's when they did come out. And I heard you guys talking in the earlier segment, best of 1,000. And they hit their first couple shots. They went on an 11-0 run at the beginning of the third quarter. And they, at that point, the game was over. Houston wasn't yeah. doing anything. Absolutely nothing, and it was it was brutal. And uh, I've never seen a guy. I mean, I have seen a guy because Clay Thompson scored thirty seven and a quarter one time. But just every time he got the ball, it was going up. He knew it was going in. Yeah, every he, single time. His release is so quick oh. and it's so smooth. And he's the the brilliance of Clay Thompson is his ability to get his feet set no matter where he is on the right. court. Like even if he's coming off a pin down screen, and he's coming around. He when he catches the ball, just like Kyle Korver does as well. His feet are set the moment he touches it, and it's right. up and fire away. And he he was outstanding. And, yeah. and like that's where ball movement and the ability to keep passing and keep moving and going side to side. Because if you watch the Warriors, they're at their best when the ball goes from one side back to the other, back again, and you're making the defense travel so much throughout that possession. Eventually, you're going to get a good yeah. shot. And, and like, they did. and that's why in the last two games they look so bad because Kevin Durant was just going ISO, and it eliminates. The advantage the Warriors have on everyone else in the league, yeah, and we know Steve Kerr tried to tell him not to. Yeah, Steve yes. Kerr tried to tell him to pass the ball. Yes, he did. So to, to <laughs> well to pass the ball earlier yeah. too to trust his guy early, trust his guys earlier. But Clay always has one of these games in a series. Like yeah. you always get a Clay game, and lucky for the Warriors, it came on a night when Kevin Durant was was struggling to score the ball, and you also had Steph Curry had twenty nine last night, and Clay had thirty five. So. I, with without, I just don't see when they're clicking like this. I don't see a way, like you said, no. Fred, that Houston can win. But they're going to be on the road. We've seen them struggle with Houston before. I know that Chris Paul is out, but it's anything can happen in a game seven. And just because they won this game, you know, by a large margin, doesn't mean that they that at any point. The Rockets can't have a game, and and James Harden right. can't put up forty five or fifty points on on uh, Monday night, and the Rockets can't win. I, I watch about one or two percent as much basketball as you guys watch, but I keep hearing the name Clint Capella, and every time I look at the yeah. box score, he doesn't do anything. Well, he's he worthless. I mean, no, he, he he's good. He's uh, his defense is uh, why. The, the Rockets are allowed to do what they do because on the perimeter, they can let guys blow by and he protects the rim. Now, in this series, a lot of the talk coming into this series was about how the bigs are almost completely useless on both teams. Mm-hmm. And you've noticed with Golden State, they're not playing any of their bigs. They're not playing Pachulia. They're not playing um, McGee. McGee. Right? 
yeah, those guys are not playing yeah. whatsoever because they just can't play in this style of game. And Clint Capella, you know, it, for the defense that he brings to the table, it's tough to keep him out there because what you saw last night on defense were the Golden State Warriors were allowing Draymond to kind of be Rover. Mm-hmm. He was leaving Capella. And even when the Rockets were using Capella in ball screen action and, and including him on the play, after the play is started Compella is not doing anything so right. green is allowed to kind of run free and that allows the defense for the warriors to be so great especially last night so you know Clint Capella is really good. Uh, he'll probably make a lot of money in this offseason because I think a lot of teams are licking their chops, waiting for him to hit the market. Uh, like Phoenix has been rumored to want to give him a big contract, maybe Dallas as well. And we'll see if he stays in Houston. But he's no, it's not that he does nothing. I mean, he had 15 rebounds right. last night. Um, he only had two points. It was a minus 32 yeah. uh, in the plus minus, which is terrible. Yeah. But like, it, it's just tough for bigs to play in this series because. Look at Golden State. You got five guys usually on the court when Iggy's healthy that can guard all five positions. Well, see, I keep hearing that too about how tough it is. Where you know the the league is changing a lot. Mm-hmm. You're going a lot of smaller guys. And then I hear people say that the Bulls should be interested in Mo Bamba. Isn't he a rim protector and not much else? When I saw a quote from him earlier, earlier this week saying I'm working on my shooting, I don't want to draft a guy who's working on his shooting. Well, with Mo Bamba, the projection is he's Rudy Gobert. Okay, and if you have a defensive player like that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but if you have a defensive player like that in the middle, that makes the entire defense so much easier to play. So yeah, you would he would be okay. He'd be a great pick for the Bulls if they somehow got him at seven. Okay. Now offensively, you're right. You you would prefer to have more guys who could play all positions and do everything. That's why I thought so much throughout this last season for the Bulls. I'm surprised they didn't use more Portis marketing as the 4-5 and just go small on teams. Um, because why, like Bobby Portis as a 4, mm-hmm. why can't he just be a, a smaller 5? Yeah. Like to me, that makes perfect sense for the style of play in air quotes that we're told that the Bulls want to play. So, no, Mo Bamba would be good. Now, you're right, Fred. It's scary when you have to hear a project because I think Bulls fans don't really want a project. No. I think we want someone who can someone step to in. We already and, had our project here. Like, this is supposed to be, according to the Bulls front office, this well, right. is supposed to be the year now. Yeah, so, so it, but Mo Bamba, uh, off the charts defensive, uh, um, rim intangibles. Protector. I hear rim protector every yeah, time I rim, hear his rim name, protector. Yeah, because he's got yeah. the largest, largest yeah. wingspan like ever. Right. Yeah, he's, he's really good. So, does that mean in the NBA he'll just fall out a lot? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, young guys Early do, on, but yeah. they figure it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. fouling out is such a funny thing. It's like no one really cares. No, I know. You know what I mean? I like, know. like people, well, people always get all bent out of shape when a guy gets two fouls early. But it's like, look at the guy's record. Does he? How many times has he fouled out in the year? And usually, it's like, oh, he fouled out once. Well, it's you, like, well, leave him out there. You just brought up the best point. No, I, I still don't understand. It's almost an automatic in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Whenever anybody gets their yeah. second foul, they pull them out. They get six. Yeah, it's not five. Right. It's not college. There's no reason to pull out one of your star players who gets two fouls early. After three. Then you might want to pull him out. Two is stupid. Yeah. I don't understand the point. A lot of people make a big deal about Brad Stevens because he'll leave guys in. Yeah. And then they'll be like, oh, he has two fouls leaving Jalen Brown in. But yeah, he has two fouls. Like, <laughs> so what? He's got four more to go. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, um, yeah. but anyway. Yeah.
Yeah. Well, we'll a, a tangent on a Sunday morning. Well, that's, well, that's what a great day. Guys. Well, we speaking of which, uh, we get we get a tweet from a uh, P one uh, a regular listener of uh, Chicago's Game Day here with the three of us. Uh, Katie, the weather nerd, <laughs> wants to know nothing of Fred's cat and Fred's can today. Yeah, well, not in the five first five minutes. Well, there is something I tweeted about last night. So I'll get to that in a sec. We got Jessica Mendoza from ESPN as ESPN's doing the Cubs Giants game later on tonight. Great. Uh, she'll join us at ten ten thirty my baseball notebook you guys can jump on in we got some uh some uh good stuff there adam amin uh from what i understand adam abdallah texted him and said you have to come on with us because it's a game seven tonight i mean and he's only calling the game on our radio right yeah so he said he will (laughs) and then chris came up with a great idea the other day and we're going to get uh my guy kevin egan who has followed uh real madrid he was on bn sports still on bn sports always on bn sports you look you look at it and there he is and uh, he actually went to uh, Spain about a month or so ago as uh, as Barcelona was celebrating their championship and Real Madrid was celebrating things and getting ready for the Classico and things like that. So we'll talk to Kevin Egan a little bit later on around 11.30 about that Champions League final. Okay, last night, I'm watching the game. Sure. I tweeted it out. I think the dumb, one of the dumbest things in sports, and I work with a guy on Saturday who was part of starting this thing. Mike Murphy and the Bleacher Bump started something in the 60s. Oh, here we go. When are someone gonna, Are you going to talk about tossing a baseball, yeah. Fred? When someone hits a home run, it's the yeah. opponent. You you know, the Bleacher Bums would throw the ball back. Sure. Again, back in the back in the 60s there were like 8,000 people there at Wrigley Field if that. Mm-hmm. So they'd catch the ball and they'd say, "Well, I don't want this Hank Aaron baseball. He's the opponent." And they'd throw it back on the field. Okay, I think it's just one of the dumbest things in all the sports. They they usually make an announcement. If you throw anything on the field, you will immediately be ejected. Sure. Okay. Except, I guess, baseballs. It could actually hurt somebody. Um, so, anyway, last night, a guy in the Giants hits a home run. Guy in the left field bleachers catches it, holds the ball in one hand, reaches into his pocket, grabs uh, on a batting yes. practice ball, and throws the batting practice ball on The dummy ball. Okay. It's stupid enough that you're throwing a home run from the other team on because you don't want it. But now this guy is keeping the home run ball and throwing another ball on. He should be immediately ejected because he's not doing he's not throwing the ball back because it was an opponent's home run. He's throwing the ball back because, I don't know, Kyle Swerver hit one in the bleachers in the batting practice. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. He should be ejected from life. Wouldn't you rather have the Kyle Swerver? Batting practice home run ball? No. Because it's still a Kyle Schwarber ball? No. As opposed to a okay, home I, run yesterday? Okay, what are the, okay, what are the guys in the Giants? Wait, Whatever. Like like the bat leaves a mark that says the player that hit the ball. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah. Crawford? Brandon Crawford. Kyle Crawford? It might have been uh, Gorky Hernandez. Did he hit one too or did so two days ago? So that was two I, days ago against Fred, the I agree with you. I think there's nothing dumber than the guy who pre-plans his, his little move there. That's like, exactly like, what he did. Because I've seen, isn't there another guy that sits on the other, um, the right-hand side of like uh, where the... Where's that batting the eye? The bushes. Yeah. Isn't there a guy on the right-hand side that sits there and he catches balls and he has like a few ready to go to throw back? I think a lot of guys do. I, I feel like I've seen that guy before in action with the, the swindle deal where yeah. he takes the home run ball, lowers it, and Does then pulls out another one. Yeah, he has a mitt oh, and he has, a whole, he has a whole little setup on the bringing, corner. Why are you carrying stuff to the game? Why are you bringing your mitt 
I never understood that. What are you going to well, get? Baseball. What are you it's ask? baseball. It's baseball. They, they might play. Yeah, they might. Well, they might have I would you go love in. to play Joe Madden. Sorry, <laughs> didn't bring my mitt. <laughs> I forgot my stirrups. Like, Sorry. What are you, why are you bringing a mitt to the game? because yeah, it's baseball. It is baseball. But... I don't bring. Uh, what do you call it? Sticky gloves to to football games what, that wide receivers well, wear. Maybe you should. Hoping that I'm going to catch a ball. Maybe you should. So so yeah. So in, in, I agree, I'm Fred. with you, Fred. In response to Katie, uh, yeah, it's um, that's in the can. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I think that's in everybody's can, except yeah. for the guys that do it. Can, can we talk to someone? Do you think there's someone listening oh who God. is a ball guy? I'm Who's curious. the guy that that has the ruse ball with him? Call it, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Call us and let us berate you. No, no, yeah. I just want to hear the right. No, I'm, I'm, I don't want to make fun of him. I just want to know the rationale well, I, to I why, know why. He, he needs that ball. What, what they want to take do? that ball and they're going to sell that ball on eBay. Saying, "What are you going to sell it for?" That's going to sell. What are you going to sell? Sell a James Crawford ball for? Brandon Crawford. He's really good. I don't care what his name is. He's a shortstop for the Giants. His brother loves Garrett Cole. The point is, if you're going to throw a ball back, I don't care what his name is. Oh well, I was going to put it on eBay for thirteen ninety two. See what I could get. Look up what a you got a computer in front of you. I'll get. I'll get. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't get anything. Yeah, look up, look up uh, how much a uh, Kyle Crawford game a uh, game of ball is. <laughs> immediately, it's funny too because immediately people said, "Well, he's just being mad because he likes to do anything to criticize Cub fans." No, I criticize Cub fans because they started it. Yeah, and because now it's all around baseball. Everybody yeah. around baseball does it, and it's okay. awful. Uh, I googled uh, game used MLB ball for sale on eBay. That's the first one that came up. Is a Marlin Bird signed ball against oh. the Brewers, but it's signed and it's only worth forty one dollars. How much is the Crawford ball, home run ball, worth? Well, I don't know if he's put it up yet. That. He I may mean, have not have put it up yet. Hold on, let me see. But I, I, what other reason? I'm going to make this guy some money. What other reason is there to keep the home run ball and throw back a batting practice ball? If you're doing it because you don't want it, the opponent's ball, then I understand that it's still stupid. I have one foul ball <laughs> ever. And I didn't even catch it. My dad caught it. Why don't people? Oh, here we, here we. Whoa, that's actually that's actually pretty expensive. Why don't people throw foul balls? That's from the NLCS, Chris. Not (laughs) a regular season game. You asked for a Brandon Crawford ball. ball. Here it is. Brandon Crawford double game used ball from from 2014, the NLCS game four, seven hundred (laughs) and ninety five dollars. Yes, that's from an NLCS game. But it was only a double. Yeah, how'd you get the ball? Just imagine. Well, it was probably maybe a ground ground ball. But just imagine, just just imagine if it was a homer, he'd get double that. It's uh, just, how long it's has just, this ball been up? Oh my god! This has been well, probably first. And you said twenty fourteen, right? Yeah, that well, that's when the ball is from. But how long has this eBay bidding deal go? I don't oh, I eBay, so I don't know how this immediately. works. That's he would he probably went home and he put it up before he was probably hit a home run yesterday and relisted it. So this ball is just sitting on eBay waiting. I guess, well, yeah. for $400 or $700 or whatever. I, I'm, I'm less upset by the uh, guys that throw the ball back than I am by the people that bring their mitts to the game. The only time I brought mitts to the game was when I had the seats, former seats, behind the dugout or when I was a kid. But those well, seats right behind, the, okay. right, the seats right behind the dugout, 
because those lines, that's why they put the, the nets up now. Yeah. Well, because you're not going to bring it now because there's no, nets. Now you and don't look, need it. I'm not, I'm not knocking, if a kid wants to bring a mitt no. to a game, you let the kid do whatever the kid wants to do. Sure. He's a kid. Yeah, Before kids the eat game. ice cream yeah, for dinner. Kids they do whatever, do whatever they, want. they want. They eat ice cream yeah. out of helmets and then you can put a little helmet on. I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. I, can I read to you guys the description of this ball yeah. as we wait for a guy with a ball to call in and tell us why they have I the Ruse ball? They're going to um, call in. So the description says this is an MLB Brandon Crawford 24 team postseason extra hit ball hit is in all caps which Crawford drilled past the Cardinals first baseman Matt Adams for a double the double is in all caps in the bottom of the seventh inning of the NLCS game four this ball is incredibly special this ball, is, this ball is a extremely rare <laughs> let alone an extra base hit from Brandon Crawford I mean, this is amazing. Maybe we should just read uh, ball descriptions on eBay for the rest of the show. Why don't you do that? We'll take a break. We come back. We'll talk more <laughs> about those no things. <laughs> no, we'll talk more about what, what's not happening at Wrigley Field tonight. There is, there is Cubs baseball, but we'll talk about what's not happening. It's Abdallah Black Hubner. We're here all the way till noon. We'll be talking Cubs. We'll be talking basketball, talking some soccer, all of it here on ESPN 1000. Special ball. This is Chicago's Game Day. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner along with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. We're going to talk with Jessica Mendoza of ESPN. She'll be on the call tonight when the uh, Giants and Cubs go at it again later on this evening at Wrigley Field for the ESPN call. Adam Amin at 11 o'clock. He'll be on the call right here tonight on ESPN 1000 of the Celtics and Cavs Game 7. And then Kevin Egan from BN Sports will join us around 11.30 talking some soccer. And speaking of some th- of Kevin Egan, I know he was in town last time. There was a big rugby event at Soldier Field because uh, the Irish knocked off uh, the All Blacks, which was a, like one of the biggest wins in their history. They had like 60,000 people at Soldier Field. Well, there's an international rugby uh, event coming up at Soldier Field November 3rd. Not one, not two, but three world-class matches. We've got uh, three pair of tickets to give away, so keep listening throughout the day. You can also go to therugbyweekend.com. Tickets starting at $40, and they are on sale now. So therugbyweekend.com. But we've got three pair of tickets to give away a little bit later on during the show, so keep on listening. If you're a rugby fan and want to get out out there at uh, Soldier Field, that's got that's uh, November. That's uh, The Bears should be what, uh Bears should have like three or four wins by then. Ten and seven. Thirteen and zero. Yeah, thirteen and zero. There you go. Ten and seven. Not not possible. Okay. So anyway, um, we were talking a little bit uh, about a Cub game last night. Basically, more about a guy throwing a ball back. Uh, but there's guy. There's a guy that's not going to be throwing a ball tonight. You uh, Darvish was supposed to go tonight. Now he did not go a while back at Wrigley Field, and they used mm-hmm. him in a game on the road instead. Um, and you know they all the Cubs brass all said no, it had nothing to do with him pitching at Wrigley Field, and he's you know he's not that he would be more able to pitch. We just wanted to give him an extra day's rest. Well, yesterday, about an hour before the game, it was announced Darvish was going on the 15 day DL with tendonitis in his right triceps, and immediately this soundbite came to mind for me. I'm afraid the strain was more than he could bear. Yeah. That was one of my favorite lines from Tombstone, and it just comes up because we've been questioning here on Sundays. It started with Chris, and then it's rolled on like mm-hmm. or like a like a snowball downhill uh, of you, Darvish, maybe just not being the kind of guy that can um, 
I don't know. What do you want to say? Suck it up. Yeah. Get that out there. Well, Freddie, it all started with the World Series last year. We saw you, Darvish, in big spots collapse mentally. And so when you go out and spend big, as the Cubs did in the last offseason, you bring in a guy who is replacing a guy who goes out and even when his stuff isn't working, grinds it out, Jake Arrieta. I saw there were a, a stark difference between the two. I felt comfortable with Jake Arrieta, and I felt comfortable in, with a, him in a big spot with pressure and games on the line. You Darvish, I didn't feel like has proven the same thing in Major League Baseball, even though he has fantastic stuff. He has five pitches. He still hits, oh, you know, 90, even. 98 on the yeah. gun and all this crazy stuff, right? Like, But there is something amiss when you watch you Darvish pitch and things are not going his way. He seems to kind of fall apart. Did you notice even in his last game, Adam, in his last game, I want to say it was the fourth inning, he uh, walked the guy. He immediately Rizzo went to the mound. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, don't worry about it. Things well, will be good. Things will be okay. It's weird. He, like, this... he needs that extra reinforcement. Now, I'm basic, I am not saying he's not hurt. No. I'm not saying that he's not hurt. However. Yeah. But in the MRI that he's getting today could come back with results that say he is hurt and he could miss, you know, a, a couple more starts. It's a 10 day DL retroactive to the 23rd. So he could come off in time for the Mets series, I believe, right. which would be on the roads. And the first thing. Chris and I were uh, out at dinner last night, and I was like, oh, we get to talk about you tomorrow. And he's like, yeah, really? And the first thing he said was the conspiracy theory about how, oh, really weird how they're going to strategically skip a start at home. Yeah, on national Another TV. start but at home on, on national, national TV. TV. On national TV, How exactly. convenient for the tricep to be acting up, huh? But I will say this. Okay, so he left a game with cramps, right? Mm-hmm. So... You don't say that you're cramping and then say that you can still pitch unless you want to be taken. Jesse talked about this. Unless you want to be taken out, right? So if I go to Joe Madden, if I'm a pitcher and I go, hey, I'm cramping up. I think I can go, but I just want to let you know. Just want to let you know ahead that of time. I'm yeah. cramping up. It, it's it's, early, it's, out it's early in the season. It's May. There's no reason to risk having you out there and, and having him out there. You know, same thing. And so Madden goes, <laughs> I'm taking... I'm taking you out. Uh-huh. And, and, but, but if you could have gone, why even say that you're cramping? Right. No one would have known that you were cramping unless you went to Joe Madden and said, and he hey, did. by the way, I'm cramping. And he did. So what I'm wondering is in this Madden quote, we have the audio where he said he's been bothered a bit recently. We could work through, but there's some inflammation. If you mm. go to him and you say again, look, I'm not feeling right, but I think I can go. But I'm just letting you know that I'm not feeling right. If you th- you think that you think that John Lester's going to Madden and being like, "Hey, I'm cr- I think I can go, but I'm just letting you know that I my something something's a little bit off." No, John. If John Lester feels right, he's going to pitch. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be taken out unless someone goes out there and takes him out. There's obviously, and then he'll shake his head and be mad at him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Even right. if he's hurt, there's obviously something wrong with you, Darvish's mentality. Because if he can go. And there's something not right. He makes it known that there's something not right and then leaves it up to other people well, to it, make the decision. Isn't that common with most pitchers? I don't know. I don't think so. If, if, if You think that if, okay, let's say Arietta, let's because we're well, comparing pitchers that they could have signed. Let's say Jake Arietta. You think Jake Arietta is going to Joe Madden and saying, hey, I'm cramping just so you know, I think I can still pitch, but 
Just letting you know. No, the usually they're going to go out there, and if they start getting beat, hit around, the manager will come out and he'll say, "How you feeling?" Yeah. He'll say, "I, yeah. I got something going on. I yeah. got to come out." If the pitcher feels like they're they can go, they're going to go. Now let's call it what it is, though. Remove the mental aspect of it. Uh, what Darvish has delivered the Cubs to this point isn't what they paid for. No, not once this season has he got to the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Not once. I he, mean, think he's an elite pitcher. One of the best in baseball that you're paying for, and he's not even getting to the seventh inning. Yeah, once this season. I know. Uh, you look at it. Darvish missed, missed the end of the 14 season with elbow inflammation. 2015, he had one spring training appearance, left the game with tightness in his triceps. Uh, a scan showed that he had uh, partially torn ligaments. He underwent Tommy John surgery, caused him to miss all of that season and part of 2016. Ugh. And uh, now he's a Cub. So wait, well, so so Fred, go go back. What was it before the Tommy John surgery? Uh, it was elbow inflammation. Okay. 2014. So, and to see, that was the end of 2014. In 15, he made one spring training appearance. So probably, he probably he could have had the Tommy John after 2014. Right. With, el- with elbow inflammation. Right. It was probably ready. And they probably said, well, let's see. If maybe it won't get worse. He throws one game in spring training in 2015 and leaves with tightness. Boom. He goes to have Tommy John surgery. So look, I mean, he could in the second half of the season. This could be nothing. He could not. The results of the MRI could be fine, and he could just miss a couple starts here, and then he'll come back. And in the second half, he could pitch very well, and in the postseason, he could pitch very well, and all this will be forgotten. But as it's trending right now, the Cubs made the wrong decision. Think about it. A year ago today, and I mentioned this with Murphy yesterday. A year ago today, the Cubs basically had they had Hendricks, mm-hmm. okay, and uh, they had Lester. Mm-hmm. Since then, they've gone out and brought in Quintana, they brought in Darvish, and they brought in Chatwood. The three questions in their starting rotation are Darvish, Quintana, and Chatwood. Yeah. Got Dar- Quintana again yesterday, and I hate to say it, I, I thought he'd be better than this. Four and a third, five hits. Uh, he walked a couple. He did strike out six, uh, give up four runs, end up taking the loss yesterday. So he couldn't stick around for long. I mentioned earlier in the week on Cap and Company, I brought this question up. And I basically got laughed at about it, but which pitching rotation would you rather have? Last year's rotation that included John Lackey or this year's rotation? I would be more confident going into a season with last year's. Yeah, because you had Arietta Lackey. Yeah. And you didn't know who your five was because remember they yeah. they tried with Anderson. They Montgomery went with was Butler, up for a while. Montgomery was doing it. Yeah. But at least you knew what you were getting every day with Lester, Hendricks, and Arietta. Like you knew you had you had confidence in you had and, three and, guys that you and, had confidence yeah, in yeah and Lackey you know you uh, it's hit or miss and some people didn't like him but you at least you know that this well, these cramps and small little things wouldn't bother him as even much though as even it though does. he was bad he would grind yeah and even if he gave what five six runs up or seven run imploded he would hang he would hang he would in give there, you yeah. some innings which helps the bullpen which helps the rotation in the long run so i like that's the difference between this rotation but this th- year and, and you know we we were sitting here it's memorial day they're four and a half games back yeah like that's the other thing it's like the offense has been awesome but in tight games against good teams they can't score yeah, one one for five with runners in scoring position yesterday. Madden yeah. said it again in the post game is that they had some opportunities they couldn't get the big hit early in the game. They got a couple of they were both solo home runs, right? Uh, the Schwarber yeah. and the Baez were solo home runs. Um, they didn't have people on base in front of them. So Bryant went over for, for four with three strikeouts. 
Um, you expect it to turn around tonight. It'll be um, tonight. It'll be Tyler Chatwood getting the start against Ty Block, who actually pitches pretty well. I don't know what his record is, but I know I've seen him pitch pretty well for the Giants. So we'll see what happens. Well, if you want to talk about the Cubs and Darvish and what's going on with them right now, 312-332-3776. We'll talk more baseball with Jessica Mendoza of ESPN. She will be on the call along with A-Rod and one of my favorites, Matt Vaskersian. They will be on the ESPN call of the game later on tonight. The game is on, if you're watching the game tonight, it's on ESPN 2 yep. because... The NBA game is on ESPN TV, and we'll also have Adam Amin on at 11. He is on ESPN 1000 tonight calling the Celtics. See, tonight's a good night where if you don't have two TVs, if you don't have a system set up where you can watch two things at once, where you need a bar czar to a sports czar to to delegate, which if you were, let's say, okay, question to both of you. If you were the bar czar, which sound would be up? Half the TVs are oh, on Cubs. Easy. Half the, that's an easy. That's an easy half answer. The Cubs, or half the TVs are on the Cubs. Half the TVs are on the NBA game. You're in Chicago. Yeah, it's an easy answer. Playoffs always outrank regular season games. Fred, I would have. Is he might? I have a problem because I don't want the sound on it for either. But you're at a bar. You're at the, you're the czar. You got to understand how Fred, it works. Fred wants seventies rock. Yeah, he wants some Zeppelin he wants, and some he rock. Wants music. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want any wants, sound of the game. He, he wants, wants the music. Drive. I want, want twenty one twelve and yeah. then, then yeah. two games. <laughs> <in front of laughs> you. you want to clear out a bar? Put on yeah. the intro. The, the he, first he track of twenty one twelve. Little Neil Pert for you. There you go. And then just have the two games on because you can't really. Most of the time, you can't really hear them uh, anyway. Uh, and most bars when you're there anyway. So yeah, the real answer is playoffs over regular season games. I agree with you. I uh, agree with you. And for for here's, Fred here's, doesn't like it because we just went Here's some, some advice to bar to no, bar I would, people I, out there. I would have never had to baseball up. Really, I would have had to basketball. If it was one or the other, I'd go basketball. All I right. don't like basketball the bars also music. that try to put up music during the commercials and oh, then break down. Those okay. of us that work in well, radio a, know that the commercials are there, it's, it's He's got to do something. Se- it's 90 uh, it's seconds. Not, yeah. We can handle commercials uh, for 90 seconds. Oh, yeah. hey, here's a song for 90 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. He's Black Abdallah Hubner right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in, Fred Hubner, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. Lots to talk about, lots to get to today. Baseball, basketball with a big game seven coming up for Houston and the Golden State Warriors tomorrow. We've got one tonight right here on ESPN 1000 as the Celtics and Cavs go at it. We'll talk more about that with Adam Amin at 11 o'clock. Joe Madden yesterday on Hugh Darvish going to the DL. He's been bothered a little bit recently, but... um... We've been just. We thought we could work through it, but uh, there's some inflammation, uh, calling it tricep tendonitis. So we want to back off to make sure that it's all well. Uh, he probably will get a test MRI, and then we'll know more for sure. We're not overly concerned. We're just going precautionary method right now to make sure everything is good, uh, based on the fact the guy's had a history, like you're saying. But um, when I talked to him in my office, it wasn't. It didn't sound awful, but it sounded like something was there. So as opposed to throwing him out there. And then be proven wrong. We're uh, listening to your your athlete. I just we thought it was the best way to do it. They're trying to jump on it and be preventative hmm. and get to it early. And uh, yeah, hopefully it's only a ten day DL yeah. stint because uh, otherwise uh, the Cubs are going to be in trouble here going forward. Yeah, because if it is longer and they need someone else, they'd have to bring up someone from the minors. And all they really have is Alzale, who is going to go. 
uh, in the doubleheader in Cincinnati, but then that got changed around a little bit because it was because of rainouts and uh, off days and things like that. So they didn't need to do that. Yesterday, Quintana wasn't uh, exactly what they were looking for. Joe Madden. It just seemed like um, when he walked Williamson, he was o two. Then he went to four two, and then after that, it just it just shifted. He was not nearly as sharp or aggressive in the strikes. So I I don't have because he looked really good. The beginning part of that game, what no walks, six punch outs. Aggressive strike throwing, good good finish on his pitches. Um, I thought, okay, this is going to be a pretty nice night. Then that one at bat, it just switched things around. Then the elevated fastball to Crawford, um, it just looked different. I'm, I'm, you probably saw the same thing wherever you were sitting at. It just looked different to me in the dugout. Did you guys see the same thing at the bar when you were when you, when you were sitting there? I was watching you, the saw the same yeah. thing. Joe Madden saw it. <laughs> Fred, right from the dugout. I saw it. Didn't uh, look right. Four and a third, five hits, four runs, uh, two walks, six strikeouts. I have to tell you, he said something I've never heard a guy say before. How it makes sense, but he said he went from 0-2 to 4-2. I've never heard that. Usually they say yeah. he went from 0-2 and then walked him. And walked yeah, him. 4-2. I, I've never heard a guy say 0-2 to 4-2. I've also never heard someone say, I listen to the athletes. <laughs> In the last soundbite. Have you ever heard a coach no, say that or a manager players. say that? They say, I listen to the players. Right? Yeah. I listen to the athletes. Yeah. Right? yeah. Joe's a different guy. You know? I, I like Joe. I, know, I think he's gotten some unnecessary uh, backlash recently because people always point to the d- decisions he made in the World Series mm-hmm. and decisions he's made in games recently. But you got to remember, the reason this team has gotten to where they are is because his teams always play well in the second half of seasons. They do. Until it doesn't happen and this year. And it may year. still, right? Yeah, right. Like yeah. It could certainly happen in the second half this year. And that's where you get into the whole conversation of playing time, getting at-bats for everybody, so everyone stays fresh the longer the season goes. Uh, that is important. And I don't think sometimes he gets enough credit for the culture that he's built with that based on the backlash that he's gotten from many recently. And I think that's why you can get away somewhat with saying it's still early because they are only four and a half games out. They do have to play. They do play a lot of teams within their division coming up soon besides a ton. Uh, the yeah. Mets. So it is still early. And until that second half run comes, or if it could, that second half, that point in the season when we get to the, the second half where they make their run after the All-Star break, I think four games isn't that much to make up. So I think that they can be fine. Well, I mean, this Cubs season will be determined based on the next month. If you look at the next month of baseball, when we get to July 4th, you'll know exactly what this team is because they're going to play a lot of decent to good teams over the next month, and they have an opportunity to either play well and make up some ground, Mm -hmm. or if it goes the other way, that's going to be a problem. If we get to July 4th and they're seven back, six back, you know, like if they're not within knocking distance on getting to first place, that's going to be a major issue heading well, into the month before the trade deadline. And Jesse brought up something earlier this week. I forget what he when he was on, but he uh, he was talking about something Theo said. Jesse was only on one show this week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he was on. I think he was on with Cap. He's on every show every day. Know, it doesn't matter. Just say of, Jesse. Go ahead. Jesse was on, and he was talking about something that Theo said, and said, you know, it'd be nice to, you know, you make the playoffs seven out of ten years. Maybe this is one of the years that they don't make it. That could be. I mean, they, you look at it, we talk about their schedule. They play Pittsburgh. They start a series with Pittsburgh tomorrow afternoon on Memorial Day. Then they go to the Mets. Then they're coming back home for the Phillies and the Pirates. Okay, mm-hmm. The Pirates are playing real well right now. They're uh, five games over 500. And the Phillies are in first place. And the Phillies are in first place. Uh, the Phillies have the second... 
Second best record in the uh, National League. And then after the Pirates, what do they have? Another first place team, the Brewers. They had the Brewers and but they beat the up Brewers. on the Brewers. Yeah, they're year. seven and one. That's the advantage they have. They're seven and one against the Brewers. Then they go to St. Louis. They play the Dodgers seven times in the last two weeks of the month of June. And the Dodgers are trying to make a comeback after a slow start. Uh-huh. Uh, they get the Reds again. And then they play the Twins. So, I mean, they do have a weird, uh, a very tough schedule. They're on the road for 20 of 32 games. Yeah. After the, you know, after the game tonight. And I know the Dodgers were left for dead uh, a couple weeks ago, but they're only three and a half games back of first place now. Yeah. Well, you know, so, Justin Turner came back yeah. from his injury, and that's a big help. But I, the, the one thing the Cubs have going for them, one, they, they have a lot of things going for them, but one is that they're seven and one against Milwaukee. Yeah, absolutely. That helps. Milwaukee right now has played uh, five more games than the Cubs, and the Cubs have lost two more than Milwaukee already. I'm pretty so they sure. Hold games in, you know, games in hand kind of thing. Yeah. They've played five more, but you've lost two more than them and they have you know you've played two you've lost two more and they've played five less i'm pretty sure milwaukee's the only team that's above 500 that they have a winning (laughs) record against too yeah well they that was a great stat from gordon whitmire before the season uh before the series started where they were eight and one or eight and two against um uh first place teams and everybody else they were two and nine in the, in the month. So we will talk more baseball, more about tonight as the Cubs are on ESPN 2. Jessica Mendoza on the call. Well, we will talk with her when we come back. It is Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Freddie Opener, right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is fair and Chicago's game day. He is at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Bases loaded. Bases clean. This is Chicago's game day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Hope you're having a wonderful Sunday morning on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, it is uh, It's very warm out here and sunny. And we're not even outside. We're at the uh, State Street Studios, and uh, it's probably warm, as warm in here as it is on the streets almost. It's going to be a hot one, Fred. <laughs> yeah. uh, welcome to summer, Memorial Day weekend, and it's finally we get some weather to go with the holiday for once. Usually it's like 50 degrees, rainy, not that great. But what a perfect day to grill and go outside. A wise man once said, man, it's a hot one. <laughs> that might have been any of us. Well done. It was, Rob, it was Rob Thomas. So Wait, was it? Yeah. In the Santana song, Smooth. Yeah. Way to way to, I'm way to pull the fan. emergency brake on this uh, this car ride going forty miles per hour. We're talking about the weather. Hour. We're inside. Yeah. We, 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 All right, buddy. We got we got to start every segment with the weather. It's great outside. It we is. Get it? Uh, yeah, I'm the only guy who <laughs> I, I would actually take the temperature if the sun was behind a big cloud. One hundred percent red. One hundred. Oh my lord! I mean, because the sun's not. And despite what people tell you, the sun necessarily is not necessarily good for you. No, you need Skin some cancer. Shade. Yeah. yeah, you need a little shade. A little yeah. bit of sun. Get sunburned once in your life, and you can have. You know, it can be terrible for you. So wear a hat out there, especially for Jesse, wherever he's at. Wear a hat, Jesse. Hey, everybody. <laughs> He's always got his sunglasses on, so you don't have to tell him that. Uh, the Cubs taking on uh, the Giants again tonight. Yesterday, the Giants getting a win. And now, if that stat that I completely stumbled over before we went to yeah. break. This was Gordon Wittenmeyer the other day. He said, this month alone, and this was before Friday's game against the Giants. Uh, the Cubs are 8-2 against last place teams, averaging 8.1 runs per game. And 1-9 and against everyone else with just 2.5 runs per game. 
So yesterday they got two home runs, but they were both solo shots, and they lose in that game 5-4 to four yesterday. They didn't have a lot of guys on base. They went uh, just one for five with runners in scoring position yesterday. You Darvish is out. He's on the uh, 10-day DL, tendonitis in his right triceps. Tyler Chatwood gets bumped up, and he gets the start today. And uh, then they'll have to figure out what they uh, have to do if, uh, if, in fact, Darvish can't go either in Pittsburgh or in uh, New York against the Mets. And it was a tough light, uh, loss last night, Fred, against the Giants 5-4. to four. Uh, You really didn't get too much going offensively. You mentioned earlier in, uh, with runners in scoring position, they went 1-5. for five, yeah. And that's been an issue with this Cubs offense all season long. You know, they can pile in the runs. They can win 10 nothing, but can they win a close game and, and maybe a game that resembles something like a playoff game? Because usually it's a lot tighter in the scoring column. And, and at that point, can you manufacture something to get on the board late? Yeah, and Strope uh, had some struggles early. They didn't give up runs in the last couple innings, but um, they were they were pushed. And hey, maybe maybe it's good news for Justin Wilson. Okay, Wilson came in, he went an inning in, in two thirds. He struck out three guys. I mean, uh, it's they, about time. they need some help. From that guy, their bullpen's been really, really good, and that's been one of their saviors. Uh, you have eleven saves from Brandon Morrow. They've had really good success, but uh, you know you still want to see you want to see what you, Hendricks has done a couple times. Get into the seventh inning, okay? You want your pitchers to get that far. Uh, Lester, he'd love to go, go more innings. Lester said before the game he'd like to get back to the two hundred innings pitched. And Adam, you were talking earlier, you know about and and Chris about just the way that. Um, you know, Joe Madden does things and has everybody, you know, uh, strong for the second half and all that stuff. Guys like Lester, they don't, you know, they're old school. They they just want to get out there and throw the, you know, throw. Give me four days off and I'll come back out and give you another seven innings. Yeah, but he he's old school. But you you say that oh, it'd be nice to see Hendricks go into the set, guys doing what Hendricks is doing and going into the seventh and try to get you know it maybe an eighth inning every once in a while. But is Madden going to let them? Because he doesn't like, nor he doesn't normally let like his him. pitchers do this, because he wants everybody to be fresh for the end of the season for that second half run and for the po- and for the postseason. Are they going to be able to do that this year because of the way that they're struggling? Like you're going to use all these, like it's you're taxing your bullpen at the same time. Like it's a double edged sword. You're right. giving you're giving your you're your, your starters, starters yeah. but you're taxing your bullpen. So yeah. which is more important, having a fresh bullpen or having fresh starters? So he's got to. That's why he's got to manage. I this think the, the correct right way. answer is yes. Exactly. <laughs> like you need you need a good mix of both. And when yeah. you've got a guy like Jose Quintana, who's supposed to be uh, someone who can go deep into games, and he's only going four and a third innings, like that's that's, that's obviously not going to get it done. You want guys to go into the seventh and eighth inning every game. But... Well, see, and you want your starters to get into the seventh inning throwing eighty pitches. Yes. You know, eighty-eight right. pitches, stuff like that. Yesterday, for example. Well, Stratton for the Giants, he went five innings, he threw 88 pitches. Quintana threw 83 and four and a third. That's way too many, okay? You, you want to you get in there, and sometimes, and a lot of times, and that's one of the big problems, too, we talk about strikeouts and walks and homers, and those are the top three results. You know, 36% of all at-bats result in those things. Well, strikeouts take three pitches, walks take four. And so all these starters are throwing more pitches than they've mm-hmm. thrown in the past, and they're not getting nearly as deep as they, you know, a lot of times you just want the guy out there who's going to throw junk up to the plate, let make him hit the ball. I mean, and Hendricks isn't the strikeout guy. 
So he does let him hit the ball. Yeah. They hit the ball. He's got fielders behind him. It's a, it's the perfect thing. Uh, he has had given up, I want to say, three or four homers in his last couple outings. And that'll happen at Wrigley Field when they, you know, you let the guys get the ball up in the air. But it was a game a couple starts ago for Hendricks. He gave up back to back homers to start the game. And then I think he went seven innings after that. So I, I love watching Hendricks pitch. I love watching Lester pitch because they go out there. Nothing. I was going to say nothing seems to bother them. The only thing that bothers Lester is umpire calls usually. Um, but Hendricks, nothing bothers them. They go on out there. Yeah, they go on out there and they do their job. And that's what they need the next three guys to do. And Tyler Chatwood's got to go out and prove something today because he was not good in his last outing. So we'll have to wait and see. I, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't think he was good in his last outing. He was not. No, yeah, he wasn't. He was he good was in the outing yeah. before that, yeah. yep. and then he was not good the last outing. Because the outing before that was the week where they all had good outings. I can't so. believe they're even showing the guy throwing the ball back on the yeah, That was in your can last hour. Uh, uh, individual want, in yeah. the crowd catching a home run ball and then pulling another ball out of his pocket, throwing it back on the field. It's even time. on quick pitch. Yeah, I mean, it's hey, popular. Maybe, well, he, maybe you know, he can sell that ball. Between the strikeouts and home runs, Fred, they don't have a lot of highlights <laughs> to show these days on quick pitch, so that's all you get. No, you and uh, I let me ask, about it a lot. Let me ask you a question uh, about the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, is there ever a day that Albert Almora should not be in the lineup playing center field? I'd say no. I think you just put him out there. I mean, it, he has earned the spot, has yeah. he not? And the team plays better. And he's hitting pretty well, too. With him in the lineup than any other combination they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, this is all part of Joe making sure he works everybody in too. He had yeah, it well, happens. Do we, field do we at this point, do we really need to work in Jason Hayward? Most people would say no, but Jesse has told us uh, that that one show he was on this week. Uh, Just, he he was on one appearance. <laughs> Jesse Jesse had told us that Joe's not going to do that. He's going to make sure that Hayward gets his at bats along with all the other guys. And he's going to ration him out. So Zobris, Zobris was at second yesterday. I think Zobris has played left, right, second um, this week. He's played just about every position uh, that he plays. Baez was over at short. You had Russell with the night off yesterday. Al Mora came in to play center field. He got a hit. He's three, hitting three sixteen. You wanted him to start hitting the ball. He's hitting the ball. If you're Albert Al Mora, you've got to sit there and say, really, what do I have to do to be an everyday guy? Because despite the fact and I understand what Joe does. I don't always agree with it, and I don't think a lot of people agree with it. He tries to make sure everybody gets and stays fresh. Sure. But if you're Albert Elmore, you've busted your tail and trying to be a starting center fielder. And now you're taken out two to three times. Two to three times a week, you're not out there. Okay, so here's the stat. Uh, Chris Kapka from uh, NBC Sports Chicago tweeted this out on the 25th. So I got a bunch more of his stats coming stat, up at the bottom uh, of the hour. The stat is two days old, so we can adjust on the fly. But from the 25th, in games Almora has started for the Cubs, the Cubs are 18 and 10. Uh-huh. Games Almora has played in but doesn't start, the Cubs are 7 and 6. In games Almora does not appear at all, the Cubs are 0 and 5. I mean, it, his fielding, I we've seen him at the top of the lineup, we've seen him at other places in the lineup. He's like you said, hitting yeah. well. Yeah. He's hitting both lefty and righty. Yes, he is. So I I don't understand why he's not playing every day. I get, I buy into new age thought with baseball, keeping everyone fresh, mixing it up. I don't need a standard lineup every day. I understand why yeah. you don't do that. You play the percentages. I get that. But this guy has deserved the spot in center field. I think what it comes down to is Madden's got to ask himself, is not playing him costing him games? And if the answer is ultimately 
No, because I mean Hayward had a hit last night. He's better defensively. You know, you've got all you can. He can use. He can mix and match the lineups. He can always bring in Almora in a pinch hit situation or for whatever he needs to. If it's ultimately no and whatever he's doing is working, he's just going to keep doing it. That's why. That's why instead of sending Ian Happ down to the minors, they stuck with him, and then he he had a good week. Yeah, he did. You know, so. Madden's gonna do what Madden. Madden's gonna Madden. Like it doesn't. He, he doesn't okay, care but, about. But, he but you care say, about is it stuff. worth it? They're zero and five in games that Almora doesn't play in, and they're four and a half games back of first place. You would think Ivy would kick that out and say, "Hey, well, you you need him in the lineup more often." Yeah, right. The intangible computer. Right, like <laughs> I. It, it's baffling to me because Fred, as you know, I'm not a long time baseball guy like you are. No, but you're but, a, you're a stats guy. But if you watch him play, oh, but even without the stats, yeah. you watch Almora play, and he looks like a guy that should be out there every day. The only criticism I have of Almora, and I, I mentioned it yesterday, um, the last week or so, he seemed to be forgetting the number of outs, um, not hustling out of the box. And again, this wasn't me saying it; it was Pat Hughes. I was yeah. listening to him on the radio. Didn't hustle out of the box in Cincinnati, but they must have had bad food. Uh, before game one in Cincinnati, because there were four guys that didn't do that, messed up on the bases uh, in that first game. Then they talked; they had a they had a come to Jesus moment yeah. uh, between games, and then they came out and they blew out Cincinnati uh, game two, and then they won the, the the Sunday game also. Maybe there was a speech or something in between. Maybe. Who do you think would give the speech? Oh, Hayward again? Yeah, of course. Have to be Hayward. It's the only reason he's around, yeah. apparently. Is there a weight room somewhere in Man. Cincinnati's, uh, you know, the visitor's locker room they can use? Uh, so you can give that speech. But there, there have been a couple times where, and then I guess Butterfield was waving him home on that play on Friday. Yeah, and he got he was. thrown out at the plate. And um, that was just didn't seem to make much sense. It's a first inning. Take your time. There's no reason for you to do that. You still have runners of first and third. The inning can progress. You know, make it a big, big inning instead. Well, you're you're pressing because the offense, even though they've put up a ton of runs, they struggle to produce those runs at times. Yeah, I mean, we said it earlier, one for five with runners in scoring positions yesterday. I don't know what's worse, the the fact that it was one for five or there were only five opportunities with runners in scoring position. I think that because there were only five. I agree. Yeah, I think that that's the more telling stat like you you have to be able to it can't just be home run or nothing all the time sometimes you have to find like good when this team was good you watched baseball i understand that but when you went when you when you get into the postseason and when this team needs to win games to advance sometimes the home runs aren't going to be coming you have to find ways to attack a pitcher and get like yesterday javi came on with the bases loaded Right, and you knew he's he's swinging at everything. He hasn't. When was the last time he had a, a an, an unintentional walk? It's it was sometime in like Never. April, is what they said uh, on the broadcast yesterday. And he came out, he took the first two pitches, and he swung at the like I would the bat should not have come off his shoulder at all. Like I know Javi's going to swing at everything, but you had the bases loaded at the beginning of the inning. This this. Uh, the, the pitcher never pitched at Wrigley before. He's young. Get him on the ropes if you need to. But, of course, I love Javi, but he's swinging everything. He grounds into a double into a fielder's choice, and no one can uh, score it in that opportunity. You love Javi so much. Are you working it out with Meller that you're able to go to the— uh... Uh, Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, what if you can't go? What if you can't go hang out with Javi? Why, why would I not be able to what hang out with What if you can't go and get a steak with Javi? Why wouldn't I be able to go? Well, what if you have to work here? Why would I have to work here? What if Meller wants to what go? What if Meller wants to go? He's audio man. He runes audio. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow, pulling rank. See, that's, I like that's, 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 Happy Sunday. I'm glad I mean, I'm, I'm team player Audio man runs the audio. I'm, I'm glad I brought it up. Me first, Abdallah. What's no. going on? Hey, hey let, remember, <laughs> he's also a White Sox fan. Uh, maybe well, he true. wants to go and help out the show. I, I mean, you know, he knows. would want food, I think. 
Yeah, that too. I, I, yeah, Eric, I guess well what? Be available. Wow, <laughs> pulling even harder. So, Rick. Okay. So right. I was just talking about Chance game one. I was just talking about game Man. one against Cincinnati yeah. and how they had a you know come to Jesus talk after the game, and he and Joe even mentioned it too. How bad they played in that game, and he he said they can't do that. They came out in the nightcap and they won ten to nothing. Mm-hmm. They had one solo homer in that game. Right. That's the way this Cub team has to play, and. I say it all the time. Madden says it when they lose. They have to move the baseball. For for Madden not to have a move the baseball T-shirt, something's wrong. Is he is move his it. T- is his T-shirt? It should, it should just be move, move it. it. Yeah. Is his T-shirt guy you know on vacation or something? Yes. Why do they not have move the baseball or just move it T-shirts for all the guys to He's wear? Too busy painting. I know a guy. His I hair. Know, I know. He makes those paintings now to yeah, bring, to bring uh, art I th- back I into thought you were talking about the hair job. No, no, no. Um, okay, so Fred, to that point, Friday I thought was one of the best games the Cubs played all season. They had no home runs. They right. went six to two. They went four for nine with runners in scoring position. Kyle Hendricks gave them a good performance. Yep. They had their closer Morrow come in and throw heat. Mm-hmm. I, that was one of their most complete games of the entire season. Was Friday, and they jumped on. The pitcher when it counted, like it wasn't, it wasn't one run here, yeah, it was one seventh run there. Inning. The seventh inning, they put yeah. up four runs. Like that's how you win games. You jump on someone. Yeah, and- Zobrist double, a Bryant single, and uh, that's how the scoring happened. Manufacture runs when you can't get the home run. You have to be able to manufacture runs, and that's not something they've been able to do. Well, the funny thing is, on Saturday, uh, the Saturday newspaper, which nobody gets, and there's only like twenty pages uh, in the Sun Times, the back headline was like. Um, is this the turnaround? And it's like, you can't say that every time they win a game. Every single time they win a game, someone comes up with a headline, is this the turnaround? Has the turnaround begun? It's a long season. It really it, felt like a complete, like, dominant, this is a playoff team performance yeah, on this Friday. is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it didn't quite work. Hey, today, there are three White Sox birthdays. Chris Kamka just tweeted this. I knew of oh, one of them. happy birthday. I knew, well, he's, it's not his birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but he tweeted it. Frank Thomas yeah. turns 50. Pretty good. Miguel Gonzalez turns right. 34. And Yuan Moncada turns 23. Ah, all right. So you've got one Hall of Famer and one future Hall of Famer? Yes. Miguel Gonzalez? I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yuan Moncada? Uh, he will be in the Hall of Fame for most strikeouts in, in his first full season, I think. He'll, he'll, he'll get there for that. It's also Pat Hughes' birthday. Is it really? I think so. Very That's what cool. I thought they t- people have been tweeting. Well, I miss Pat Hughes's birthday. That is correct. Yeah, there you go. Pat Hughes's the, birthday. The Cubs tweeted that out. That's right, Pat. Well done. There you go. That's right, Pat. That's right, Pat. Happy birthday, Pat. It's my dad's birthday tomorrow. Happy, Happy birthday. Well, what is this, a birthday segment now? Oh, his name and birthday. It's my your, dad's birthday tomorrow. Does your dad cheer for uh, Mo Salah and the Egyptian national yeah, he team was, as much? He, as... he was texting me yesterday. He was not happy. And he was hungry because he was fasting because it's Ramadan. And it's a tough day for Mustafa. He was Mustafa. not happy. He <laughs> 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 was... I, you, I have to tell you, and, and I heard you guys talking earlier, and we'll we'll get Kevin Egan about an hour from now, about eleven thirty, talking about the uh, Champions League final. And I don't care about the play that Sergio Ramos made on Salah. I mean, I do care about it, mm-hmm. but people that have seen Sergio Ramos play before that. No, he's probably the dirtiest player. Yes, he's dirty. And he's it was one a of the dirty filthiest. Move. Yeah, he's one of the filthiest players to play the game of soccer. And I love it. <laughs> I like. I like that. Some people do. I You're like just mixing angry it up. That, y- that the no. U.S. isn't in the World Cup. I'm not angry. And I like watching the Spaniard play. What's wrong with that? He's dirty. Who cares? He is very dirty. He's a solid player. Yeah, 
He's very dirty, and uh, it, uh, I just hope that Mo Salah can come back and play. Because as being here in the United States, without the United States playing in the World Cup, one of the things you were looking forward to seeing is a guy like Salah play for Egypt. I think their first game is the second day of the World Cup. I think it's on Saturday. It's what 19, are we, uh, 19 we're like two, three weeks. Away. It is 19 days away from Egypt's first game. It is a 14-day injury that gives him five days uh, to recover fully after treatment. He should be fine. Five days to figure it out, huh? Yeah, I hope. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I've asked this question before. No one's given me an answer, yeah. at least the right one uh, that I know of. Are we doing any of those games? I know that they wouldn't be done during the week because the games are like 7 o'clock. And, I think the official the answer should be uh, stay tuned. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out later. I, I don't, I don't yeah, have I don't an answer. Know. I don't know. Uh, because I knew a couple of years ago we did do some. But I not. do know that, well, I think we carried many of the U.S. games. Mm-hmm. I think that's what. And then I think the semis and maybe the final. The semis um, are actually during the week usually. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know yeah. who have the, uh, the radio rights this time around. Hmm. Uh, but I know on Sunday mornings when we're here, we'll talk about it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there'll be games going. There'll be games on. going on. Yeah, well, so, yeah. Do you think there will be any uh, soccer guests, or, or are we only doing ancillary sports guests for horse racing? Is that? Oh, we'll find soccer. Yeah, we'll people. Okay. we'll find right, soccer cool. people. Yeah, cool. there's no doubt. Eleven thirty. Soccer people. Eleven thirty yeah. today. Well, and there, there's also a situation where a lot of people were complaining. Uh, a lot of the quote soccer fans are complaining that uh, Fox, who is doing the games, the World Cup, are not mm-hmm. sending all of their broadcast teams out there. They're yeah. only sending two of the broadcast teams. But Adam, you know this, and I think Chris, you do too. That they've been calling soccer uh, yeah. from studios for you decades. Can, yeah, you can do a lot of stuff remotely. Yeah. Just, you don't have to be there to call the game. And if I'm not mistaken. ESPN over the last couple of years has called both college basketball and some college football games yes, from studios. They have. So it's, you know, and it's not a secret necessarily. I mean, no. they, don't, they don't tell you when the game comes on that they're sitting in we the studio. We are live from Studio B. Yeah. But it no. happens quite often. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. I mean, you don't know. There, don't, there is an element of um, deception taking place, even though it's not. Uh, like, there is an element that you believe something is happening, which is not really taking place. But like, I think most, them, most people yeah. that tune in assume that, assume, right. that the broadcasters are on location covering the event. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure if many people are aware that most international soccer matches are called by people singing in a studio in Connecticut or, or in New York City, in right. Manhattan or something. Yeah. I, I think that's probably not something people are aware of. Do you think, I mean, it would be difficult to call basketball, you would think, uh, from a studio as opposed to courtside? Yeah, I think you got to be there. Football, football maybe. Soccer, yeah, because, I don't like, think here, it's that here's hard. the difference with football, football and basketball. Basketball being on uh, press row and being next to the benches, you get a lot of side stuff that happens throughout the game that you can add into the broadcast. Where an NFL game, you're already up in the stands, right? So all of your information's coming from monitors to begin with. Mm-hmm. Now I know play-by-play guys like Adam Amin, who will join us at eleven. He calls it from his eyes and then he looks at the monitor to confirm the call but like if you're looking at the benches during a timeout you're either using a binocular or you're looking at monitors that's watching the bench right it's not you turning your head and seeing oh is uh kevin hart yelling at Dwayne wade during this timeout and the back and forth like you're getting that by something to begin with in football well depending on the, the stadium a lot of basketball at least put the road guys up in the stand somewhere. Yeah, yeah it's true. Or sometimes they're so high up, they may as well be at home. 
watching yeah. a game on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what, it, what about baseball? Would that would that be a different vibe if baseball announcers were in the studio? Well, it'll be. I'm interested to so. ask uh, Jessica Mendoza about that because they're calling the game from the right field bleachers yeah, tonight. That sounds fun. So that is a completely different angle because you're not normally you're like right above. Yeah, the the pitch, the so you box. can tell yeah, if so you it, can it's see what over it the plate, or yeah. Now I'm sure they've got enough monitors oh, yeah. and everything in front of them that they'll be able to see what's not, happening. I mean, not where they're going to be. They're not going to have too many. I mean, I think they would probably just have a couple, one or two. They'll have enough to be able to determine what the pitches are. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, this is ESPN, Fred. They can't afford yeah, monitors. Well, you know, yeah, they, they, bring they, do, up, they do it up big. It's they, a Memorial Day weekend. Come on now. They can afford a lot of them, but they just they want to make sure they can actually see the game. They've got she's look she's watching it on ESPN Plus on her phone, <laughs> and like, no, guys, that was a strike. There's nothing That's wrong right. with that. Yeah, that I got to tell you, the the ease of ESPN Plus too is ridiculous. Sell it, Fred. Because once you once yeah. you actually get it, um, yeah. once you get it on your phone, I know it just plays yeah awesome. you go yeah. to it and it, yeah. it'll say here's the live game and before yeah. you even click on it yeah. it's, it's already playing yeah and smooth yeah, yeah. I, usually the the thing that holds me back when i'm streaming stuff is that do i have to go log in and do all this right extra to get to the stream and you're right the moment you open it the video is already playing and you're set it's and it's great. almost there there's been times where sometimes my biggest problem is like i have a chromecast and my chromecast on my tv they said your chromecast is overloaded i'm going overloaded what the hell's it talking about so i watched the rest of the game on my ipad sure. and my ipad it, you know a seven inch, it's like I, okay i don't need any more right. this is fine the picture's great yeah the quality is amazing so uh, we are going to talk uh, more baseball. We'll get to my uh, MLB notebook. Let's do um, it. Yeah, we're going to talk to Adam Amin at 11 o'clock, Kevin Egan an hour from now. And we're awaiting the results of two MRIs, the results on you, Darvish, and Mohamed Salah is currently undergoing an MRI as we speak to determine the length of his recovery time. Well, well that's more important than you, it, Darvish. It's so much more important <laughs> to me. But uh, we we do have baseball tonight at Wrigley Field. The Cubs taking on the Giants. An ESPN game as Sunday night games always are. We bring in Jessica Mendoza from ESPN. Jessica, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing awesome. I'm prepping for this game that we get to be sitting in the seats at Wrigley Field, which we never get to do, to be able to sit and sort of the booth up in the press box. We're going to call the game from right field. So getting excited, put the sunscreen on, got my hat. <laughs> Gloves. Well, and, maybe catch some balls. And at this time of year, um, you're going to have the sun right on you for the first couple of innings, too. I mean, the, the right fielder is going to have a lot of sun, but you guys better get the flip downs ready. No, that's exactly what we're talking about. I was like thinking a little bit of eye black, like you know, just you know, like literally. And I played outfield um, my pretty much my whole career, and to me, there's no better like place to sit in the outfield than Wrigley, just because you really like. There's times I sat out there as a fan and felt like, okay, no, this ball's hit to me. Like you just feel like you're in the game. Um, so the only times I know for me, like I'm literally going to probably just channel like my inner player and feel like uh, that I could probably grab a couple balls if I wanted to. So we were talking about that and calling the difference between calling the game when you're in the booth normally and calling the game when you're in the bleachers or from a different vantage point. What's the difference for you as an analyst uh, being in that seat? Um, it's, uh, I mean, there's a ton and, and really it's just being like out, you know, in, in the stadium, in the crowd, like the feels, the sounds, all of it when you're in a booth and even though it's open window, um, you know, you're, you're higher up and you're just kind of separated from it all. And when you're out in the crowd, you can kind of like, you know, just smell the food and hear 
the excitement and someone might yell and a ball's hit it you know we've had a couple that have come close to us you know and it to me I love it it's it's hard like I feel for Matt Vaskersian who's who's you know the play-by-play because it's hard to see sometimes like you know you mentioned the sun like sometimes you can't see home plate sometimes you can't see the monitor to tell you where you know the ball's being hit but to me, there's nothing better than to be able to really, you know, our job is to add color to kind of give you a little bit more. And I think for viewers at home to describe and because our mics pick up all of that to just really feel a game from what it's like to actually be like really in the seats. Jessica, are you concerned about the Cubs pitching staff uh, at this point in the season? Yes, I am. Um, you know, I think... You know, John Lester's done a really, you know, nice job. I feel like Kyle Hendricks has done what they needed. Um, you Darvish was supposed to be our starter tonight, and the fact that he's going on the DL, but, you know, I just, I, obviously there's been so many question marks in and around him and what he is. Tyler Chatwood, who's now starting, and, you know, he hasn't been the, the, the guy that they've signed. And I just feel like this is a team that's so good defensively. You know the offense and the talent that's there. The defense, the bullpen um, has been amazing and it doesn't get talked about enough. But the starting pitching, and, and that is so huge when you think about just the longevity of the season and where this, this NL Central needs it's kind of a, a separator. And for them, like, I'm wondering what they go and try to do to be able to maybe get another starter that can kind of just, like, make this team, um, you know, so much better than what it is beyond Lester and Hendricks. Jessica Mendoza from ESPN joining us. She's going to be on the call tonight with Matt Vaskersian and Alex Rodriguez. And what surprises you more, that the Cubs are in fourth place four games over or that Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Pittsburgh are actually ahead of them? You know, it doesn't surprise me with Milwaukee. I mean, we saw what they were last year and then the, the offseason gets that they went to go and do. I think, obviously, the Pirates has been the biggest one um, that you just come into the year, and I was one. It's like, gosh, this team, you know, they, they trade, ironically, Andrew McCutcheon, who we'll see in right field, for the Giants tonight, <clears throat> which, you know, they get rid of Garrett Cole, and we've seen what, what he's done with the Astros, and you just feel like that team's going to fall off the way the Marlins have and they didn't and they've stuck around and they've battled um you know the cardinals too but i I also feel like there's not one team that's a separator and when you look at the cubs who were like the clear favorite coming in you know they're they're still the favorite in so many ways but to me it's that weakness of the starting pitching just to get the consistency because this team plays so well when they have a lead and I just think it's so important for them to not get in the hole, which many times they have, you know, early on in their games, which it was something I'll look for tonight. But you're right. I mean, that the fact that the Pirates and the Cardinals have been so competitive, but at the same time, I mean, it's all bunched together. It's not like there's a team that's like, this is clearly going to take it and who's going for the wild card. So, Jessica, something we were talking about earlier uh, on the show was about how Albert Almora, when he's in the lineup, the Cubs play better. But we all know that Joe Madden likes to mix and match his lineups every other day. What's your take on Madden using everyone on the roster and kind of allowing guys to rest early so they can maybe make a run late, opposed to having a lineup set and having someone like Almora in center every day? Yeah, I want him in center every day. Um, You know, I don't mind mixing and matching and 
you see it more now. I mean, gosh, the Dodgers do the same thing. You know, there's there's teams that definitely like, you know, matchups, you know, lefty, righty, and, and looking at numbers. And honestly, the day in analytics, it drives me crazy just more. I literally were in a meeting for Sunday Night Baseball this morning, and I'm riding out the lineup. It's like I've got the Giants lining. Like, boom, this is going to be their lineup. Easy. Not even a question. <laughs> like, I'm looking at the Cubs. I'm like, seriously? Like, you know, who is going to lead off? Is Almora going to be in center? Like, and I, I, I don't know. I love watching Alberto Mauer Jr. I mentioned earlier I was an outfielder. Just the way that he plays the game, like, and the way that honestly, I love that he never even gets to two strikes. Like, I think he's like top two in baseball, like never getting to two strike count. You could look at that and think it's a bad thing. I love that you're going to see a guy that's going to just, you know, I'm going to be aggressive and I'm going to come at you, and I'm not going to sit here and take a bunch of pitches. But to your point. I think when it's a position like center field, I think there's certain ones, you know, shortstop, catcher, center field, that you want to see the same consistency every day. I believe that just because that's that's like that's your backbone, right? You go right up the middle, and you want your backbone, your leaders, to be the same guys. Um, do I question Joe Madden? It's hard to. I mean, you know the past and what he can do, the matchups, all of that. But Almora, I am with you. I want him in center every single game. And you talked about how good Madden is about uh, resting players. And the, the Cubs under Madden have always traditionally gone on this second-half run after the All-Star break. When does it become concerning for you that a team might be at risk of making the playoffs if they continue to struggle the way the Cubs are? Um, I'm not just because you look at the division right now. And I know where they're, they're, they're at. But like I said, it's not like there's this gigantic separation or that any team has clearly grabbed this division, in my opinion, and been like they're going to be the ones that are going to take this. When it gets to that point, the Brewers go on a serious run. Um, shoot, even the Cardinals. Um, but, you know, to me, Milwaukee is that team you keep an eye on to judge, okay, when do the Cubs really need to be that team that kicks into that gear and right now it's not that time, and I don't see it happening anytime soon just because I do feel like, you know, the Cubs are a team that, um, you know, you just watch how they play the game and if they can get more from their starting pitching. And that's I was really looking forward to seeing you, Darvish. I mean, he had a great last start. I mean, this is a guy that does have talent. It bothers me that all of a sudden Sunday Night Baseball comes in and now we don't get to be able to dive into him. Um, and I'm curious how long this injury is going to be. They, they're saying not very long, but that's, that's to me how you really tell where this team is headed. Well, Jessica, one last thing. We appreciate you jumping on with us. Uh, the last time you guys did the Cubs on a Sunday night, it was a long, long night because it was rain and everything else. That's not expected tonight, which is a good thing. But they did have the A-Rod piece with Chris Bryant. And Chris Bryant showed not only Alex Rodriguez, but all of baseball – the fans, players, managers, scouts, exactly where he wanted the pitch. And then later on in that game, he got the pitch there. <laughs> Do you think the rest of the okay. pitchers realized we should never throw him inside about thigh high? <laughs> it's so funny because when I did the interview, you know, we, we listened to a pregame just to kind of get an idea of, you know, what Alex talked to him about so we could play off of it and all that. And I was like, you never hear a hitter anymore. Like, there's always these vacant. Same with a pitcher. Like, this is where I really want to throw the ball. Like, this is my favorite pitch to throw. This is where I'm going to give a left-handed hit. Whatever. So for Chris Bryant to say this, and it wasn't like he's like middle, middle. No. I move it over the white part of the play. It's like, no, no, no. You get me in, and yeah, I'm long, and I got long levers, so a lot of pitchers think that they can get me here. But really, this is the pitch that I want. 
I was like, kudos to him for like just saying, like, I dare every pitcher to try to throw me there. I'm still going to get you. And then they throw him there. And it was like literally to a T. Exactly. He took the ball and was like, this is where I want the pitch. And we replayed. I'm like, they clearly didn't see this. But from now on, it's like, you still want to obviously come in on him to be able to set everything else up. But you wonder why, especially with, you know, where he's shown his weakness with sliders away and breaking balls that he should never see a pitch there <laughs> again. Well, we're looking forward to it tonight. Looking forward to you guys on the broadcast. We did comment earlier about the guy that cut the home run ball yesterday and threw it back. <laughs> when you, and you were an outfielder. You're not going to have your glove with you tonight, are you? Oh, yeah, I am. Oh, oh absolutely. Right. In fact, I'm I'm trying to get Zobris or Ketch to play catch. We've got a couple tricks, too. Matty cool. B's got some stuff he wants to do with the right fielders. We haven't said anything to them, so we'll see if it even <laughs> plays out. But I think to be able to interact with those guys and have some fun, um, I am I am all in. And honestly, like I might have some food. and <laughs> You might see me disappear and come back with whatever the heck I can grab out in the right field. Cool. That's great. We can't <laughs> wait to watch tonight. Thanks a lot for jumping on for a few minutes. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thanks. Jessica Mendoza from ESPN. You want to catch the broadcast later on tonight. Again, it's on ESPN2 because ESPN has the uh, NBA Game 7 tonight. Cavs and the uh, Celtics. Also, we'll have that for you right here on the radio with Adam Amin. He will join us at 11 o'clock. Got to take a break. It's Black Abdallah Hubner right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's baseball notebook. Oh, welcome back in. It was great talking to Jessica Mendoza. Don't forget, catch the game. Cubs, Giants tonight, ESPN2. Uh, we'll talk some basketball top of the hour with Adam Amin. But now some baseball stuff. And, guys, we, it seems like we talk about Mike Trout a lot. Yeah. We're Someone has th- to. We're the only three, right? Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're talking about him. The only ones in this city, for yeah. sure. His recent on-base percentage, uh, <laughs> 2014, 377, 15, 402, 16, 441, 17, 442, 2018 right now, it's 461. Um, we're about a third of the way through the season. At this pace, Mike Trout would finish the year with 174 hits, 150 walks, 140 runs, 37 doubles, 53 homers, and 106 RBIs, along with 37 steals, which would make him a 30-30 man. Um, he's just been amazing. And yesterday, he was he actually <laughs> he actually went five for five yesterday. Grounded left side from the hole. Gregorius, long throw, another hit. Can he fly? Wow. He is five for five. Uh, and it sounded like Joe Buck. And uh, the uh, one of the Fox games yesterday against the Yankees. He was outstanding. Yeah. And uh, he went off the wall. He, I mean, watching Mike Trout is fun. Yeah. And baseball needs to do a better job marketing him and letting everyone else watch him play. It's such a tough thing, though. I mean, because it, it, it is really a regional sport because they play so many games. And you can't, like, change the schedule. No. Uh, because the schedule is what the schedule is. It's very difficult. But, you know, and here in Chicago, for example, if we wanted to watch that game last night, we the Cubs were on. Yeah, the yeah. Cubs were the backup game, but because we're in Chicago, we were seeing the Cubs and the Giants. That's why Len Casper had a chance to do it. So it was tough. They they did show highlights throughout the uh, course of the night. Hey, Scooter Jeanette, 
He is a uh, second baseman who actually could keep Javi Baez away from the All-Star game. Oh. Yeah. He had uh, a five-hit game yesterday. Four singles and a home run. He had another one last year uh, in June, so June's a good time for him. But he is uh, one of the top-hitting second basemen right now in baseball. And I imagine he's pretty fast. Because he's named Scooter. His name is Scooter. Yeah, he's very fast. <laughs> All right, um, You guys remember um, the ball that went off the head of Jose Canseco? You probably, I mean, you yeah, guys yeah. weren't around, but you yeah. see the Five highlights. Yeah, off his head. I remember, yeah. yeah. Okay, Cardinals Jose Martinez went three for four, a double and an RBI. And the reason I bring it up is because it was the 25th anniversary of his father hitting the home run <laughs> off Jose Canseco's head. <laughs> Jose Martinez playing for the Cardinals. The Cardinals got a uh, win yesterday. The latest um, Phillies, this is right now, the latest that the Phillies have been in first place since 2011. Nobody expected the Philadelphia Phillies to be in first place, especially after the first week of the season when their manager, Gabe Kapler, was doing strange, weird things and pulling out pitchers and everything. They're 29-20. and They have a 592 winning percentage, and the only team in the National League with a better winning percentage than them is the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, they have a half-game lead over Atlanta, which is another team no one expected to be there. Washington, who people did expect to be there, a game and a half back, 28-22. and 22. The Rangers, Chin Su Chu, he did something special. Swing the ball lifted, high into the air, deep left center field. I'm not sure Jay sees it. He's going back, looking up, it's gone! Chin Su Chu with a walk-off home run to give the Rangers a 4-3 win in 10 over the Royals. Chu tosses the batting helmet, is greeted at home plate by sloshes of water and his teammates. What a lovable mess. <laughs> what a lovable mess. Chin Su Chu moves past Hideki Matsui for the most home runs by a player from Asia. Wow. Yes. Okay. That's he incredible. That. And you know what? He hit one last week against the White Sox. And uh, he's a player that's been around. And uh, everywhere he goes, he usually can hit the ball. And uh, he uh, did yesterday for the Texas Rangers. Jose Altuve is pretty good. Uh, four for four with a homer. Three runs scored. Two stolen bases. And the Astros still lost to the Indians. Because uh, the Tribe had four homers and eight to six win. I mentioned the Brewers and their record right now, the best record in the National League. They had a 17 to six win over the Mets. Just for Cub fans, something to look forward to. I don't mean playing the Brewers and looking up at the Brewers right now, but you got the Mets coming up next week. Yeah, the Mets have not been playing well. No. Uh, they're five and five in their last 10, but uh, they originally, at the start of the season, were, were off, off to a hot start, but now they're 25 and 23. Yeah. Uh, Mariners, Mike Zanino, a uh, 12th inning walk off homer yesterday in a 4 3 win. Speaking of homers, the White Sox got four of them yesterday. Tim crushes this ball to left field and out of here. Liriano decided to try to sneak a fastball by him inside, and that's why he doesn't see a whole lot of fastballs inside. Anderson to left field. Reyes back at the wall. It's gone again. Tim Anderson loves Detroit. 7-3 Sox. A very lively ballpark today, and Tim has hit a pair of them and driven in four runs. He scored three times. Benetti and Stone on the call. NBC Sports Chicago. The White Sox an 8-4 win yesterday. Abreu went deep. He was 4-4, for four, reached base five times. His ninth homer, and Daniel Polka uh, with his fourth homer of the season. Anderson also made three errors. 
He loves Detroit, but he doesn't like fielding in Detroit. Apparently. Just <laughs> kidding. I was just going to ask you, are, are you feeling better about the way they're playing? Because I know earlier we understand wins and losses. The, yeah. the Sox are going to lose more than they win this year. We right. get the whole plan. But you didn't like earlier in the season the way this team was playing. Right. Yeah, they were playing poorly. They weren't. And they've, they've had so many injuries. Uh, it's been brutal. But you wanted to see development this year. People asked me before the season, what do you want to see? I said, development from Moncada and Giolito. Well, half of that's work. <laughs> right. Yeah. And even Carson Fulmer, he went down to Charlotte. He struck out five. I don't think he gave up any runs or just one run the other day. But he walked six at Charlotte. That's not good. And you can't be walking guys at Charlotte. I mean, come on. No. You can't do that. It's so, yeah, Charlotte. You can't I, do that. You know, they, they go out there and they bust Charlotte. their tail. But the more and more I think about it and... I wasn't on the same page as uh, Jay Hood, another White Sox fan, and people saying that, well, when the White Sox get good, they'll have to bring in another manager because Ricky Renteria is not the guy. And yeah. I think Carmen thinks the same thing. And a lot of people have thought, well, you know, Joe Girardi's out there. You know who I'm thinking, if in fact they do change, who? is they have a guy who's mi- managing their minor league team. I want to say single A, Omar Vizquel. Yeah, okay. There's and, a lot of buzz about him yeah. and what he's been doing for Dylan Cease and just like the excitement that the players like right. playing for him right now. I know. Wasn't there an article in the Tribune or something recently online. about? Okay. I think it was online. I'm okay. not sure if it was in the paper or not. I know it's so weird for me to say something yeah. online and not in the paper. Well, but, uh, and, and when you say it to Abdal and I, we in our heads we're like, it's the same it's thing. It's the same but, thing. But yes, yeah. Uh, I believe the publication, the Tribune, wrote something, right? Do I have the right one or was it someone else? I don't know. I don't know. I just saw the picture because it was yeah. a picture of him looking out over the yeah. over the field and all that. That stuff. would be interesting, Fred. I'm with you, and I, I think we could all uh, say that there's probably no shot that Girardi will be the White Sox manager, uh, I, which is which is fine. Again, yeah, and I, you know, like I, I get where they're coming from, but I, I would say that's probably a, a no shot on that one. I, I'm the guy that doesn't think managers mean a whole hell of a lot, uh, and I think Adam actually laid it out perfectly. Uh, I don't think he meant to. No, I did. <laughs> he he laid it out perfectly about yeah. what Joe Madden does. I don't think the Cubs won in 2016 because of Joe Madden. I think with their hitters and their pitchers and, you know, if Arietta and those guys don't pitch and Bryant and everybody don't hit, they don't win. But I think just managing a team is you're more managing personalities mm-hmm. and keeping everybody involved and stuff like that. And I understand that. But I, I still think if you've got the best players, do you, do you think all of a sudden Aaron Boone's a good manager? Because the Yankees are what? Uh, no. The Yankees are 32 and 16. No. Well, what were they I mean, last year? Yeah, and they were really good right? last like, year too. Right. You know, like baseball managers a little bit remind me of soccer managing because you Except get in soccer you get fired after like four losses sure but you also could win and be good and then get fired just because like yeah. and i know we're not going to talk soccer in this segment but Zedid no, Zidane being on the hot seat even though that was Real one Madrid, of the first questions after the game yesterday they went back to the the uh the crew in the studio on fox and they go Zinedine Zidane on the hot seat like he just won the Champions League. What is what he for the third seat? straight year? Well, but did you hear? I mean, Alexi Lalas yeah. made sure he said congratulations to Real Madrid and Barcelona for winning La Liga. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, so what's more important to yeah. Real Madrid? The people that own Real Madrid is it is it winning that or is it winning the Champions League or winning La Liga? Well, and Fred, we saw last year in baseball how many teams that made the playoffs then fired their manager, yeah. and mm-hmm. they're still teams that are really good we saw it in boston we saw it in new york you, you see it every so often in baseball and uh, it's just interesting because 
Even though Abdallah didn't intend to set it up, he set it up. It was good. Nice I job. did. Nice job. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, the nice part about baseball, the thing I really like about baseball is as a fan, someone asked earlier about what's up Fred's can. This has been up my can for decades. Another can. Here and we it's go. really difficult to it's get around with this. That. But um, when people say, well, you know, this guy, you don't want to go into the season with a lame duck manager. He's still getting paid. You don't have to give the guy an extension just because he's in the last year of his contract. And the Yankees didn't. And the Washington Nationals didn't. Mm -hmm. And Dusty and uh, and, uh, Girardi, they got their teams for the end of the season. And then when the season was over, they said goodbye. You don't have to. So when Joe Madden's within a year of a deal, you don't have to say, well, you know, Joe's here and he's only he's going to be in lame duck. He's got so many people, especially especially in the media. And I have to say it because, I mean, you don't have to give a guy a contract. Same with the NBA. You don't have to give an NBA coach a contract because he's going into the last year of his deal. Why would you do that? Make him bust his tail and try to earn a contract. And for him, it's even better because if he works hard and does well, he'll have more offers. Yeah, absolutely. Then he can go somewhere else if he wants to. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And that's why in baseball last year, you know, Joe Girardi's probably enjoying the hell out of his life. And he knows he'll get another job next year. Sure. You know, it's going to come. That's not a big deal. So that that was actually, I was happy you don't, that You don't think this season, when you get the first guys being fired, that he's going to be the highest name? Being, sure he will. Being open for the job? Yeah. Whether he gets it or not, he's going to be in the conversation. Yeah, and he'll want to go someplace where he has a team that's, you know, that is close to winning. Yeah. But then again, who, why wouldn't you? You, who wants to manage, really? Who wants to manage the, the White Sox? Who wants to who be wants Rick Renteria? <laughs> who, who wants to be Rick Renteria? Who wants to manage the Miami Marlins? Who I mean, wants to manage know. the White Sox? Yeah, but I, I actually feel bad for Renteria because, I mean, he, he's doing what he can with what he has. And if, if they, they do make that change, and I've heard from people that know people, and they say, yeah, that's likely to happen once it gets close. Nah, that's, that's disappointing. Can I add one thing into your notebook before we end here? Yeah. Um, I'm watching baseball last night, some late-night West Coast baseball. Ew. Who, I did, who I, are you? The, the no, Dodgers you and the Padres. Yeah, why, on, why would I not be watching It was that? on MLB Network. Yeah, why, why wouldn't uh. I be watching that, Abdallah? Uh, Matt Kemp, question mark? Unbelievable. Since when was he back with the Dodgers? And also, yeah. he's hitting three he's hitting. He's unbelievable right what? now. What? Yeah. Abdal, he, your thoughts on Matt Kemp? He's a Dodger, and he's hitting three thirty-three. Fred, when did this happen? It was a three the same number in a row. Yeah, he came back. He came back to the Dodgers, and uh, yeah, he's been he's been starting and hitting well for them. They've had so many injuries; it's been crazy. I, for a second, I was watching, and I'm like, wait, what? What year? What year is wait, this? I yeah, thought didn't he go mm-hmm. to San? Is he on the wrong team right yeah. now? Uh, one real quick thing, Chris Kamka. We knew he'd do it. Uh, Frank Thomas, three triples in his first seventeen career games. He had nine in his next 2,305 games. He wow. tired. He's catching his breath after those first I think games. he was. Wow. Abdallah Black Hubner will talk some hoops. They're all excited. Adam Amin after this on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Steps to the three-point line. Still on the bounce. Still on the bounce. Step back. Left side three. Good again! LeBron James flexes the muscles, swings towards the crowd as he drills a massive three. This is Chicago's game day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. Talking basketball. Big game seven tonight. Adam Amin will be on the call. Before we get to Adam, I just want to let you guys know, because you've been listening. You've been You've been sitting around on a Sunday morning listening to Chris and Adam and me. Talk about all kinds of stuff. So, sell it, Fred. The 
Callers 5 and 6 who want to go to the International Rugby when it comes to Soldier Field November 3rd. Not one, not two, but three world-class matches. Chicago favorites and Six Nations champion and current world number two. Ireland returned to the scene of their famous victory two years ago. We've got tickets for you. Uh, callers 5 and 6, 312-332-3776. You get a pair of tickets to the matches coming up November 3rd. You can also go to therugbyweekend.com. Tickets start at 40 bucks on sale now. Callers 5 and 6, 312-332-3776. Now, leading into the segment, we heard Adam Amin with a buzzer beater. And as we bring Adam in, he's been lax in this series. No buzzer beaters. Adam, what the hell's going on? What's going we, on here? We've been waiting for a big big buzzer beater call. Uh, I'm, I'm going to blame you guys. <laughs> I'm going to say you guys jinxed it right before this series started. Uh, I think you brought the bad vibes. I mean, for, I mean, listen, I, I blame Chris and Adam for, for less yeah. than this. So I'm definitely going to blame them for this. Well, here's the answer, Adam. This is the answer you needed to come back with. Tonight on ESPN 1000, you will have a buzzer beater. <laughs> there you go. I mean, the, co- the corporate shills that we are, I just <laughs> that when I had a chance, man. But uh, are, are you guys as surprised as I am with the with the lack of competitiveness in some of these in, in both of these series? Really, I, mean, I think between them, we've had one truly tight, compelling game. Maybe you could argue two for the Western Conference, and I'm not saying they haven't been fun or entertaining here in the Eastern Conference, but we've had some blowouts. So, are you are you guys? Surprised as I am? Um, surprised because these are the four best teams in the league throughout the entire season. They're the four best teams that we thought would get to this stage before the season even started. But I wonder if it's just a sign of the times. Just the more three-point shooting, the everyone getting back on defense has now allowed teams to jump out to these crazy leads that we didn't used to see when we would have more grinded-out playoff-style games. Yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment. And, I mean, the three-point shooting, obviously, we knew was going to be heavy with Cleveland and with Golden State and Houston. We knew that for sure. Boston, you know, shoots a decent amount, too. But those three in particular uh, are definitely major three-point shooting teams. J.R. Smith says, hey, we live and die by the three some nights. So that's, that's definitely a fair assessment. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised at the defensive inconsistency, I think, more than anything else. I feel like these were also four of the better or three of the better defensive teams, Golden State, Houston, Boston and Cleveland plays better in the playoffs. But I, I thought we'd have a little bit tighter uh, of games more consistently because of how well these teams have a tendency to defend more often than that. I also think that in the beginning of series, you might get, especially LeBron, might do this because he has the talent to be able to do this, where at a certain point, especially with the Celtics, with their home and road differential, that if the Cavs are down big toward you know towards the you know end of the third quarter, he just goes, not tonight, guys. We'll get him tomorrow, or yeah. we'll get him in Cleveland. And LeBron has that luxury. Other teams might not be able to do that. Like, the Celtics can't do that because they're so young, but LeBron has that luxury because he knows what he can do in any given situation. Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit more individualistic with Cleveland, not to say that they haven't gotten contributions from others or that they haven't played good team ball when they've been at their best, especially at home. But, yeah, they, they're, there's no superstar on the other side. Guys, I think that's the biggest difference for – you know, I was diving back into the home road splits the last uh, the last night or so, and just trying to comprehend exactly where we can pinpoint why it's looked the way it has. And I don't think we have a, a really concrete answer because nobody really wants to answer it, and that's understandable because nobody wants to put too much on it. Brad Stevens told me that the other day. He's like, I, I don't want to put it into these guys' heads too much, where it's like, all right, we're we're back, we're we're on the road, we got to do something different. 
because then they're going to freak themselves out. And I can't do it at home because then we come in with the expectation that we're automatically going to win at home, and we can't have that either. We, we played well at home because we played together and we've used the crowd's energy and we've gotten locked in on the defensive end. Uh, but I think, I think the biggest difference is there, there's no real superstar for Boston, right? It's a good, really good, I'll, I'll even say it, this is a very good collective group of basketball players that are going to be superstars in the future. And I know we've, we've talked about this before, but they don't have a true guy. If Kyrie Irving were on this team, I don't think this would be, this would be a seven-game series. This would probably be more of a five-game series. I think Kyrie would have been able to shut down uh, Cleveland late in some of these games on the road, especially when in game four they worked really hard to get it to within seven and then they couldn't really get over that hump. That's when you need the superstar, and I feel like that's what Boston's lacking. But, again, at home, collectively, they've played so well over the course of these playoffs that I'm not – it's hard. I will never count them out. I can't count out, despite their youth, despite the adversity they've had, despite – uh, the fact that they still have a block at LeBron James, I, I don't put it past them to win tonight. Adam Amin from ESPN joining us tonight right here. He will be joining us tonight, too, as we listen to the game on ESPN 1000, Game 7 between the Cavs and the Celtics. Tonight, is it, does it have to be a, a LeBron 45 or 50-point night? Uh, is he going to be a guy who's going to be looking to get his other guys involved? And if so, which guys needs to step up for him to give the Cavaliers into the next round? I've said this before, and I still believe it. If he gets this team to the finals, it's one of the great accomplishments of his career, this team. And now especially with, with no Kevin Love in Game 7, as, as ineffective as he's been at various points in this series, I, I, I truly believe this would be one of the greatest accomplishments outside of winning a championship, one of the great accomplishments of his career. And I think he's going to need something spectacular, and I mean something like he had in Game 6. I don't think 30 is going to be enough. 35 doesn't feel like it's going to be enough because you have to make up for that production elsewhere. You know, Kevin Love is, is like I said, as ineffective and inefficient as he's been uh, at, at points in this series. He's still a double-double guy, and you still have to find that production somewhere. And they got that production from Jeff Green. They got it from George Hill, who busted out for 20 the other night. Uh, Green at 14. Larry Nance has provided a really nice punch at both ends of the floor with a couple of shot blocks. He went 5-for-5 five five from the field the other night. He had four offensive rebounds. Cleveland had 14 offensive rebounds. Tristan Thompson had one of those. So they really collectively worked well on the offensive glass. So it's going to take an effort like that to win a game tonight on the road. But I don't think 35 from LeBron is going to be enough. This is going to have to be a 40-9-9 and nine and nine type of night for LeBron James. And obviously the nine assists is going to be big because if he hits that, that means these other guys are making shots. Can you get some help from J.R. Smith? The guy's 0 for 11 in Boston in the three games in this series from three-point range. He's got to make shots tonight. Kyle Korver has to make shots, and it has to come, I think, early in the first or early in the third because then at the very least you force Boston to spread the floor a little bit, and LeBron has been at his best in the playoffs when he's been able to get into the paint, and you have to spread the floor to be able to do that because the, the problem with Boston playing Boston at their home floor, they do a really good job of working that crowd energy and being a little bit more engaged on the defensive end and not necessarily clogging the lane, but making it appear like the lane is clogged with the length and athleticism and size that they have. So all of those elements that we just discussed, and I I know I threw a lot at you guys just now, but all of those elements have to be in concert with one another for for them to pull this thing off. And I think it's going to have to be one of those virtuoso, all-world, 
performances from LeBron, one of those that we're talking about years from now for them to win this game tonight. Brad Stevens started game six big. He went with Baines and Horford in the starting lineup. What do you expect from Stevens for uh, game seven? I think you I think you still have to stick with that lineup, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if he made a change, and here's why. Because Jeff Green's going to be in the starting lineup for Cleveland, one of Cleveland's best lineups in game six was a lineup that we really haven't seen that much. And it came in the second quarter, and it also uh, showed up again in the second half. And in the second quarter, that's when Cleveland went on their run. It was probably their best defensive lineup that we've seen in this series, uh, at least uh, for, a, for a decent period of time that didn't involve all the starters. Uh, whether it's Kyle Korver or J.R. Smith, and then Nance, Clarkson, Green, and LeBron. And it's small. That's one of the smaller lineups that, uh, that Ty Lue's going to put out there. But here was the difference. He was able to run with that lineup. Green and Nance are really athletic, and they can shot block. And we've seen that over the course of the last couple of games with these guys. And when they get blocks at the defensive end, they run. And that was the first time I really felt like they made a concerted effort to run, and they were able to outrun Boston for a good period of time over the course of like a 24-4 to run. So I might see that lineup at various points again tonight. I wouldn't be shocked if Brad Stevens was willing to go back to the smaller lineup with Marcus Morris in the starting lineup. The reason Brad Stevens likes Morris and Smart coming off the bench is because it's a little bit more versatile later in the game, and he likes those guys coming in off the bench just with their mentality and the way that they can affect the game offensively. So I think all of this being said, I think Brad Stevens sticks big to start, but I won't be surprised if Ty Lue goes small at one point and Brad Stevens tries to counteract that. Do you think that that small lineup is the reason that Al Horford was ineffective, or do you think that the Cavs just figured out finally after five games how to play him? No, I think I think it was more so Al Horford just, just being a little bit more ineffective than, than we were used to seeing. Uh, I think you have to get him involved early. Uh, it'll be different at home, I do think, but the, the reason Al Horford is so effective is because he he's a great guy to play through. He is a phenomenal guy to play through. He's a big that can step out, and he can post up. And I feel like when they play through him, and not necessarily he's got to take 10 field goal attempts, but he had three assists in the first quarter of Game 6. They were playing through him early, and then they got away from that. And I thought that's when their offense stagnated. It was against that smaller lineup, I understand that. But I don't think that that should affect Al. Al is a really good up-and-down-the-floor type of guy. In fact, Brad Stevens said he likes when Al's the one to initiate the break. It spreads the floor a little bit better in transition, and it allows guys like uh, Aaron Baines, who was also a, a hustle guy, to rim run a little bit more in transition, and then they were able to play through that. We've seen a lot of that in Boston when they played the three games here at home. So uh, I think Al Horford just needs to get comfortable, needs to be involved early, and I think when he is, he's typically more effective in games. With Kevin Love being out for Game 7 tonight, um, if the Cavs win this series and get to the finals, the finals start on Thursday. What's the word around the team? Do you, he Kevin Love's in the concussion protocol now, but what do you think will happen with Kevin Love as we head towards the finals if the Cavs win tonight? They were pretty optimistic. Some of the people I talked to were pretty optimistic because he made the flight. And I know, you know post-concussion-like symptoms, it's uh, typically frowned upon if you're not in shape to do so to go fly and you're supposed to typically rest and be isolated a little bit. Uh, I, I, the fact that he made this flight and that he's here today uh, with the team, that's a positive sign, so he's able to travel. So I think if uh, if they do get to the finals, I think Thursday he should be good to go 
uh, back in the rotation again. But that's, again, very speculative on my part. Mm-hmm. That was from talking to two people that just had positive thoughts about it. They, they don't necessarily have any medical advice on that. So please take what I say with a grain of salt. You've been around a lot, and uh, Adam, I mean, the Brown Bear Musburger joining us here on ESPN 1000. You can hear the game tonight. <laughs> and it's uh, funny, because these guys told me ahead of time to always take everything you say with a grain of salt. I don't know what... Uh, well, know. I mean, I, I feel like all that could be said so easily about all four of us. Oh, yes. you? Yeah. I feel like all four of us you could say that about. There's no doubt. You've done a ton of LeBron games. You've obviously did the elimination game, the what could have been the elimination game a couple nights ago. What's his mood like going into this game and if you noticed a shift from the way he approaches these elimination games to the way he did earlier in his career i think uh there's a seriousness to him i, I do think there's uh an even keelness to him he did crack a joke uh during uh his little media scrum earlier today just just talking about uh jeff green and, and kevin love and uh, I wouldn't be able to give you the specifics of it. I was on the outside kind of just listening in, but he, he got a laugh out of a lot of the reporters around him. So he, at the very least, was in uh, a playful, somewhat playful mood. But he looked somber. He looked focused. He looked uh, he looked pretty locked in when he walked into, gar- into TD Garden today. And uh, we were just sitting there shooting around. I was just kind of observing him, locked in. He had his headphones on. I, I get this feeling that with him admitting some of the things that he's admitted, talking about, yeah, I'm – I have been tired at various points in these playoffs. I was tired in Game 5, all of that. I think he understands his place. And, and we've, we've known this about LeBron for a long time, right, guys? I mean, he, he, he understands the history of this game. He has an appreciation for the past. He has an appreciation for the guys around him that are younger. Uh, he recognizes the talent around him, whether it's here in Boston, Golden State, various other teams. He understands this league and his place in it and his place in the history of it. And I think he also understands that he's creeping on 60,000 minutes, and he is playing his 100th game of the season tonight between regular season and playoffs, and he's got a couple of Olympic gold, and he's been to the finals, and he's been an MVP. And I think he knows that these moments are fleeting. It's easier to not feel that way when you're in the midst of a hot run with guys around you that you know are going to be consistent just about every night. Guys like Kyrie Irving, who have Hall of Fame pedigree at a young age, I, but but knowing this roster around him and know, and seeing some of his level of frustration at various points in this series and in the playoffs, for that matter, I think he understands that this is much more fleeting than we realize. And there was a level of focus when he walked into TD Garden that looked very familiar to me, and it typically comes with something. Uh, a little bit special later on that night when he takes the floor for the game. So I, I expect a little bit of uh, aggressiveness when he takes the floor tonight for Game 7. Adam, uh, as you talk about LeBron, it, did you read the piece from Brian Windhorse? I think it was last week, maybe early this week, about the burden the Cavs as a franchise have been placed on having LeBron and what goes along with him and these deep title runs and, and having to do this every year and all the drama that goes with it. Did you see that piece? By chance, I had a chance. I had a chance to read through a little bit of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So just being around, it's a good piece. You can find it on ESPN.com. But just being around LeBron and the Cavs, have you picked up on any of the burden that it is to be a team that has LeBron James and the expectations to win a title every single year? Yeah, I think that's fair, and 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 I think it comes in the moments during the game when he gets frustrated and. I, I think back to one specific play in Game 5 when we were here on uh, Wednesday. 
and he he had his back to the basket at the top of the key, being guarded. I want to say by Terry Rozier, smaller guy, and he kind of flung a pass towards the rim for a cutting J.R. Smith, and the pass was behind J.R. Smith by a, a foot or two. Not a great pass. I mean, that's like throwing a ball behind a receiver and letting your receiver get laid out, and then the quarterback looking at the receiver going, "What the heck?" You know, like that. That 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 was the look that LeBron gave J.R. Smith, and, and the frustration level of that. And I'm thinking to myself, man, what, what more do you want the guy to do? And I think when you see that rise in him, when you see that frustration in him, and, and, and don't get me wrong, sometimes it's it's uh, appropriate. You know, the teammates doesn't make, teammate makes bad play, doesn't catch a pass, goes through his hands, whatever it may be. But when he doesn't make the right play, which is rare, but it does happen, when the ball's in his hands that much, it's going to happen. He's going to make some bad plays. That's 32 turnovers in this series. When you see that level of frustration, you go, he's, he's clearly on a different plane right now, and he's not necessarily cognizant of the things around him. Or maybe he is, and it's just getting to him a little bit. I think this is that year, and Brian Windhorst is saying, this is the heaviest burden that LeBron James has ever had to carry. And I think there was a, a great headline for that article, and we may be take, talking about different ones, but Brian's done a great job with this anyway. The LeBron James handbook, he's complicated, but still worth it. Yeah, and yeah, that's it. I, I, think that's, I think that's a really fair assessment. And you know what? I think we can even extrapolate that going forward. If LeBron doesn't stay or, or wants to go somewhere else, there is a level of complication that comes with coaching and playing with LeBron James. There's, a, there's some cons to playing with LeBron, especially if you're a ball-dominant guy. But I think the pros certainly outweigh the cons when you get the level of greatness and consistency for the most part and, and the high explosiveness like we saw on, on, on Friday night in Game 6. I think there's more pros than cons to that. But I agree with you, and I agree with Brian. I think there is a level of complication that you have to deal with when you're either playing with or coaching LeBron James. Adam, we'll be listening tonight. We'll be waiting for that buzzer-beater call. We appreciate you jumping <laughs> on for a few minutes. Anytime, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Adam Amin from ESPN will be on the call tonight with the Celtics and Cavaliers. You can catch it right here on ESPN Radio. Don't forget, that's on ESPN TV also. And ESPN 2 will have the Cubs and the Giants with Jessica Mendoza. She was on with us a little bit earlier, about half, uh, about an hour ago. Uh, she was on with us. We've got some soccer talk with Kevin Egan from BN Sports coming out with us in a little bit. But I wanted to ask you guys, did you did you hear David Aldridge's interview with Steve Curry yesterday? No, tell us about it. Between periods, quarters. I hate when people say periods in in basketball. It's quarters, periods in hockey. Um, Halves. <laughs> um, so they David Aldridge asked him. He said, "You know, your your team is familiar with um, with winning games like this, but they're not used to being eliminated." And Kerr looked at him. He goes, "David, you got eliminated by OKC. Do your homework." And he walked away. But he had a big smile on his face the whole time. <laughs> it was very, very funny. And uh, it was just a little thing. And then the announcers were laughing, and, and Kerr was laughing as he walked away. I think it was between the third and fourth. Probably, um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it was, they, would, they would usually talk to the coach that's winning in the... No, I think it's based it on home road. I think, uh, I think road. road goes first at the end of the first, and then... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And they flip at the end of the third. Adam also just said, I mean, not uh, Abdallah. Adam, I mean, mentioned that uh, Baines is a rim runner. Is mm -hmm. he going to be running into cap? Uh, in the next, uh, on his rim to rim? Days? No, come on. Uh, come on, Fred. That's a basketball uh, term. The rim, the rim runner. runner. Okay. That's why Clint Capella. Clint Capella is a rim runner. The Bulls, they need a rim runner. Bulls need a lot of things. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, I mean, but uh, good luck, Cap. Best of luck to you, sir. Uh, going down in the canyon and across the box and back up the canyon, whatever you're doing. Hot box. It's going to be <laughs> hot. It's going to be really hot in his I'm not going to say Did you guys see? Whoa, whoa, Chris, whoa. Did you I'm, see? I'm talking about the canyon. I don't know what did you're you, doing. Did you guys see a little stuff happens throughout the course of the week? I try to bring it in on the weekends when I'm here. And um, this was just a little line that I saw that someone tweeted out. And it said, uh, new Saints wide receiver Cameron Meredith, uh, quote, hmm. way ahead of schedule. Oh. As he returns to practice this week for the first time since tearing his ACL with the Bears last August. Quote, it feels great, man, especially to be catching from a Hall of Fame quarterback oh. like Drew Brees. Thank bang. You, you don't say, Fred, huh? Uh-huh. You're saying I, the medicals for the uh, Saints turned out well and uh, yeah. the Bears staff, well, they did their homework. He right. returned to practice first time. Since, who's, uh, uh, who's the Bears' second wide receiver? Kevin White. I, I heard uh, Matt Matt Nagy apparently said Kevin White's uh, ready to go. He's going to be a weapon. All right. Well, okay. We can only hope, right? I mean, to be I honest. I would like to enjoy my Sunday Memorial <laughs> Day weekend, so I'm not going to put that smoke out there about oh, the Bears is this, today. Is this the wrong holiday weekend of the summer? You're talking about Labor Day when you want to break down Bears football? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. End? I just know that when I start talking about Bears, like... Well, yeah, people want to come at you because well, uh, you're you realistic. And I, we, we, yeah, we talk about the real, like the realist. Of course, they screwed up with Kevin Meredith. Admit it. Yeah. You screwed up, Brad. That's a that's a good catch because uh, I think uh, the bear, they're going to need someone of his talents. That. Yeah, you should keep that note. I got it printed. Okay, got it. right after I've got uh, what a night for Dylan C. Says final line was seven and a third, uh, four hits, a run, nine strikeouts. As the Winston Dash uh, lead. Bottom of the eight. His 102nd pitch was 99 miles an hour. He'd oh, be good to good. have. In, he's nice to have in your organization. I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I think for that Cam Meredith piece, you should just get tattooed on your forearm like yeah. it's memento. Yeah. So we don't forget about it all summer long <laughs> into the fall. I think that'd be great. Okay, you meant like the movie Memento, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You've yeah. seen the movie, right? Yeah, I did. I- he has short-term memory loss, so he has to tattoo things to his body. Yeah. That's the. Uh, I saw it. I think maybe I. And, and the movie goes backwards. Yeah. For those who haven't seen. it. I think maybe I'd Come enjoy on, it more. Come on, The movie came out so long ago. I'm Are kidding. you kidding? I think maybe okay. I would enjoy it more the second time because yeah. the first time I was confused out of my mind. Yeah. Well, it's. But I wasn't the, sure what was quite happening. Christopher Nolan is intentionally trying to confuse the. the nah, viewer. you didn't have to try too hard with me. We come back. We'll confuse <laughs> some of our basketball and baseball fans. We'll talk some soccer when we come back. It's Black Abdallah Hubner here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Right foot across from him. Bale trying it all. Are you serious? Gareth Bale just on the pitch. One of the best goals you'll ever see in a Champions League final has given Ram a triple lead once again. Outrageous. This is absolutely spectacular from Gareth Bale. One of the best goals you will ever see stage and he has produced a moment of sheer brilliance in a Champions League final for Real Madrid are you kidding me Gareth Bale take a bow picture perfect this is Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com yeah Real Madrid go back to back to back highlights courtesy of Fox Sports Chris Black Adam Abdallah me I'm Fred Hubner. Uh, watching that game uh, yesterday, as most of the people around the world were. I'm not sure how many people here in the United States. I'm sure we'll get some numbers on that later on. But 
leading up to the game, you could have found a preview on uh, ESPN FC. You could have found a preview maybe on FS1. Or you could have and probably should have been watching BN Sports because you would have got this nugget from our guy Kevin Egan and also Ray Hudson. Listen. It's on the stars here, don't we? The Ronaldo versus Salah, yeah? No. What? Everybody's talking about the big superstars and the, the glorious attacking footballers, but I think, uh, listen, I, I came down and got all the, the, the things off the, off the printer about all the great reviews. Not one of them, not one of them, Kev, is talking about the one aspect in this game that could be the biggest deciding factor, and that is the men in between the sticks, the goalkeepers. I'm absolutely shocked. I was listening to um, the the radio on the way in, all of the debates about, you know, which formation Zidane's going to go with, how's Klopp going to line up, is it going to be narrow, is it going to be a wide attack for, for them? But nobody's talking about... Navas and Karius, and for me, these two players are going to be under such a microscope, and they've been great. Karius has got six clean sheets in, 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 in all the competition, so that's amongst the best. Uh, and of course, Kayla Navas, for me, walks on water. He's been the man that saved Real Madrid time and time and time again through all of their games, and they're not getting the lickings of a dog. And it's not right, Kevin, and I'm not having it. You're not having it, even no. though you don't like goalkeepers. I hate goalkeepers, but I love <laughs> these, this, this particular Kayla Navas for me. is Big uh, one for Karius, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin trying to tell him about all the offensive firepower. And there it is, Ray Hudson putting him in his place. Kevin Egan from BN Sports <laughs> joining us. See, Kev, we thought we, we thought that you we all knew soccer, but when Ray Hudson talked, we should listen. Oh, I love it. Good morning, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Fred, Chris and Adam. Much appreciated. Uh what a thrill that was. What an extraordinary sporting event to to be part of as a as a viewing community. Uh, and the build-up all week long was fun. Certainly having Ray in, in studio was always a laugh. And I, I talked to him, obviously, beforehand and said, uh, where do you want to go with this? You know, and, and there's the obvious. And he said, let's, let's talk about the goalkeepers. He honestly said, I can see Karius being the one uh, that could cost Liverpool because he loves Kaylor Navas, and rightly so, and I do too. And I think Kaylor Navas is one of those goalkeepers that if he was Brazilian or if he was English, We'd be talking about him a lot more, but the fact that he's Costa Rican, he does not get the praise that he deserves for the for the outstanding player that he is. Uh, and yesterday, I just felt for Carius a little bit because it's going to be remembered as the day that you know Mo Salah was taken off Sergio Ramos' tackle, Gareth Bale's bicycle kick. But before all that, it might be remembered because of Carius. Speaking of Gareth Bale, how special was he yesterday? Remarkable, and he's been sensational over the past couple of months. I thought it was a big mistake, if I'm honest, when Zinedine Zidane chose to leave him on the bench and play Karim Benzema. And what do I know? Because he was unbelievable <laughs> off the bench, and Benzema was incredible throughout the game. Uh, I mean, I thought his hold-up play, his ability to bring teammates in, his ability to slow the game down when Liverpool want to play that rock-and-roll style of football. They want to play at a pace. And Benzema and Tony Kroos and these players, they all showed their experience yesterday. But Gareth Bale, to do that with his fifth touch in the game, you know, three minutes after coming off the bench in the Champions League final, and to, in many ways, probably one-up Cristiano Ronaldo from the goal he scored in Turin, it was just outstanding. Do you think uh, 29 minutes into the game, did you think that Liverpool had a decent shot at uh, at beating Real Madrid? I mean, obviously it was all lost after Salah went off, but did you think that they were competing well enough through the 29th minute to hang with them through the whole game? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought Liverpool were, were marvellous. But I did tweet this about five, ten minutes into the game. I said, this game reminds me so much of Mayweather against McGregor in the sense that Mayweather was, was dealing with Conor McGregor throughout the game and there were no major blows uh, to Mayweather. And it was the same way. Liverpool were very good. You know, they created some opportunities. Keylor Navas had one decent save to make. But aside from that, they, they didn't look potent enough. And Real Madrid always, to me, looked in control. And, and one thing that they did tactically, which I thought was very smart and, and cute of Zinedine Zidane, was they played Tony Kroos as the man to take the ball off the defence and, and dictate the tempo of the game. Uh, it wasn't Casemiro. Kroos is a much more composed footballer and a better passer. Uh, and I thought Real Madrid just... They, they had Liverpool where they wanted to have them. They controlled the tempo of the game and then punished them up the other end when they needed to. It was just such a shame that Mo Salah was taken off injured. I just I think I can speak for everybody that's a fan of the beautiful game. We would have loved to have seen Mo Salah go at us for 90 minutes against Liverpool. Well, and Adam's got an update on Madrid, excuse me. Yeah, Adam's got an update here on uh, Mo Salah. Right? Oh, yeah, I was, I was cheering here during the break. Uh, we found out that he's going to be cleared to play for the... Uh, for the Egyptian team in the World Cup. He's going to take about two weeks to recover, and then he should be good to go with five days left before their first game. So I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine Can you imagine being an Egypt fan yesterday? Uh, you know, watching that game, and you, you make it to your, to your first World Cup. He's the guy who scores the penalty to take you to the World Cup. And then in a Champions League final, your heart is broken watching him go out like that. Uh, it was tough scenes. It really was. I mean, the game had absolutely everything, didn't it? Yeah, it did. and Kevin, when it, it, you look at your uh, list, and a lot of people in sports like to make lists, if you were making a list of the, I'm saying dirtiest, you don't have to say dirtiest, but the dirtiest <laughs> defenders in soccer, w- would Sergio Ramos be high up on that list? Sergio Ramos, uh, yeah, he probably <laughs> would be. And he, when, I, when, when you say dirty, though, you could also twist it, and, and you could say, competitor because mm-hmm. he, he'll do everything in his power to win games and he's such a leader I was at the Classico a few weeks ago over in Barcelona and the one in December as well and to see him up close his communication skills his composure on the ball his ability to lead a team he's the captain for a reason and, and people will come at Sergio Ramos and call him every name under the sun after what he did yesterday you know Mo Salah also had his arm wrapped uh, near Sergio Ramos and the other thing about this, and I, people might come at me for saying this, but I don't think someone like Leo Messi finds himself in that position where he lets someone take his arm. And, and people try and take Leo Messi out of games every single game he plays in. You watch him play against a side like Espanyol in a Catalan derby, and it's like they take turns on who's going to try and chop him down. And part of being the very best is to make sure that you don't put yourself in a position and allow a player like that do that. Uh, but it was incredibly cynical. Uh, he knew what he was doing, Sergio Ramos. And he did it in a cute enough way that the officials didn't spot it. Kevin, uh, so if you look at Real Madrid now winning their third straight Champions League, uh, put into perspective for maybe the sports fan who doesn't follow soccer as closely as the four of us do, what does it mean for a team to win the Champions League now three straight years? Yeah, for, for any fans out there that might not really fully understand, think about this. The Champions League is a collection of the best teams from all around Europe. And then you go in, you play against... I mean, Real Madrid, their journey to the Champions League final this year, they get out of the so-called group of death, which includes Christian Pulisic and Brugia Dortmund, who were wonderful last season, who came into this season with lots of great hope. Tottenham Hotspur with Harry Kane, the English captain, and Deli Ali. This was a really tough group. They get through that. 
Then they have to go and they beat PSG, who have the most expensive player on the planet and the French champions. Then they have to go and beat Juventus, the Italian champions, a side that's just won seven straight Scudetto in a row. I mean, a, a completely dominant force. Then they have to go and beat the German champions, uh, you know, a side that with remarkable talent, and they just about hung on to do that. And then they have to go and beat the most potent and thrilling attack in world football, all while being told by pundits around the world and fans around the world that they're lucky, that Zinedine Zidane is tactically inept, that they're really just about getting over the line. Give me a break. This has been uh, one of the greatest success stories in our game, to be honest. For Zinedine Zidane to take over and win the Champions League five months after taking over the team and to do it again and to do it again, I'm sorry, you, you can't call luck on a team that's won three European Cups in a row and created history being the first team in the modern era to ever go and do that. And on the other side, Jurgen Klopp has now lost six straight finals. He hasn't won a final since the 2012 German Cup. Where do you put him in rankings amongst managers around the world? He's definitely up there. Look, look, I think that's a statistic. You're right. He's lost six of seven finals that he's been in. Um, It's just tough. It's tough viewing to look at that because I think the key for me in a good coach and good manager is assess how they've improved the individuals. And when I look at Liverpool and I look at Trent Alexander-Arnold on the right, you know, Andrew Robertson on the left, further forward, what he's done with Mo Salah, Firmino, you know, Henderson is looking like a world-class midfielder under Jurgen Klopp. That's a sign of a great coach for me. And I, I don't think you can say that about Jose Mourinho right now. I don't know if you can say that about Conte and Chelsea and what they've done in the past year right now. And, and certainly Arsene Wenger over the past five or six years. How many players has he really improved? Whereas Klopp, for me, is right up there with the best coaches. Um, I just think that he hasn't been at an elite club. When you, when you take his time at Borussia Dortmund, for example, you always had a dominant Bayern Munich side in that league. And now you bring him to a Champions League Against all odds, he gets to a final, but he just so happens to face a side looking for three in a row. So it's 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 difficult viewing looking at that statistic. It's right to point it out, but I I think he deserves an awful lot of praise for getting to a lot of those finals. You can see Kevin Egan on BN Sports on the Extra each night at six o'clock. He's smiling because he's talking soccer and he gets to work with Kay Murray. He's smiling for <laughs> for both reasons. Now, but uh, before we let you go, Kevin, I just got to mention uh, yesterday was a bittersweet day for you because obviously the game was wonderful, but earlier in the day you weren't so happy. <laughs> No, 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 no. Thanks, thanks very much, Fred. Appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, Aston Villa losing out to Fulham. Congratulations to Fulham. I know there's a lot of fans of the cottagers around the U.S. Uh, because of the days of the likes of Brian McBride, Chicago legend, and uh, Clint Dempsey played there as well. Carlos Bocanegra. So good for Fulham to get back to the Premier League. But for my Aston Villa, no, it was a, a tough day. So now you have to go back and try and compete in another. 46 game championship season uh, and try and pr- get promoted again. So it was difficult for Villa, but good day for the Chicago Fire, though. Yes, it was. Incredible, incredible winner for Alan Gordon away in Orlando. And it just seems like Sweet Home Chicago is more like Sweet Home on the road with this team right now. They're finding a way of getting it done on their travels. Yeah, they really are. They're, they're doing pretty well on the road. Now they got to figure out how to win games at home. Kevin, it's uh, great as always. And, uh, you know what? Now that the Champions League is, is over, you got to, you got to three weeks to the World Cup. So you guys will be gearing up for that now, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to host a, I'm going to host a nightly show with Kay Murray, actually. You mentioned her. Kay and I will do a nightly show at seven Eastern, six Central time. 
um, from our being sports studios where we'll have kind of World Cup reactions some fun games get the likes of Ray Hudson and Christian Vieri and these guys in the studio so yeah if you want your World Cup fix uh, with a bit of a twist Join us on BN Sports at uh, 6 Central. Kevin, as I told you about a month ago, yeah, here's this guy. A couple couple years ago, Kevin was sitting here with me on uh, Saturday mornings oh, yeah. talking Chicago mm-hmm. Fire Soccer Weekly. And next thing you know, I called Kevin and asked him if he was going to be in town for the Atlanta United game because he was doing those games. And he said, nah, he goes... Bian wants me to go to Spain. Uh, there's a, the, you know, the Barcelona celebration, the Classico's coming up, and then they want me there for Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. I said, yeah, a little kid from Ireland all of a sudden. And yeah. next thing you know, you're sitting on the sidelines for the Classico. Yeah, it's wonderful. I, like I said to you, Fred, my, my family, 50% of my family's from Dublin and 50% is from Chicago. So my grandmother is still on, on Addison and Walcott. Uh, right by Wrigley Field. You know, my brother is in Roscoe Village as well. I just love, love, love Chicago. And uh, I, I love the city and love getting back. So it was bittersweet in a way. It was wonderful being there. When Suarez scored that first goal, he and Messi celebrated about a metre and a half from where I was. I could hear everything they were saying. and It was such an incredible experience. But there's nothing like Chicago, too, and family. So I do, I do miss the Windy City. We'll see you soon, Kevin. We appreciate you jumping on. Thanks a lot. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Kevin Egan from BN Sports, nice enough to join us. And, uh, yeah, there'll be, there'll be so much programming on BN and everywhere else once the World Cup gets underway. Abdallah's excited because Mo Salah's going to be ready. That'll be fun. I can get that, uh, I can get that jersey out of my cart. I had it, I had it like in the <laughs> cart yesterday and then he went down. Hold like, up. You, do, you don't have the jersey yet? No, I don't have the jersey yet. Well, this okay. is the Egyptian here's, jersey, right? Yeah, here's the problem. Damn, so what kind Egypt, of fan are you? Well, Egypt had a lot of problems with their jersey selection. They, they put it out there and then fans were like, what is this garbage? So they wanted to, uh, redo I mean, look it. This up. Have it's, you seen Nigeria's jersey? It's selling like crazy. The, it's one of the coolest jerseys the, out there, there. Then there was a rumored, uh, third option where it was like the picture the of the oh, sphinx. Oh, look at this. It was going to be a sphinx on it. No, that see, that's what the that's rumor. That's not it. No, there was a rumor that it was going to be something oh. like that where it had like the picture of the That'd sphinx. That'd be awesome. And it was black and gold and it had all this stuff on it and it looked like a pyramid with the sphinx face on it. And I was like, I'm going to get that one. And then they went with this red and black checkered one, this basically. One? No, no, no. It's the red and black checkered one. That, that, yeah. That's good for t- radio. Yeah, that one. This one or that one? It's red and Adam, it's red is it checkered. this one? <laughs> It's, it's just, is it that one? It's checkered with red and darker red. While we basically. look, while we look yeah. at the Egyptian jerseys, we'll come back after this. It's Black Abdallah Hubner here on ESPN 1000. That one? This one. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Black Abdallah Hubner here. Hope you all have a great Memorial Day weekend. Remember the purpose for the holiday. Uh, give it some time. Think about it. Also, um, for those who missed Carmen's uh, three grilling tips, temper your meat. Make sure the grill's really hot. Yep. And only flip once. Yep. Only one flip. There you go. That's all you Real, need to do. Short and simple. Only flip once. Because he's he's right. The meat will tell you. Yeah. If it's resisting coming mm-hmm. up with the spatula, if it's, uh, it's not ready yet. It's not ready. Wait, 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 and then flip. So, is that what you guys are going to be doing? You're going to be flipping burgers. You're going to be you be grilling. Well, be I don't doing? I don't know, Fred, because I'm attending the Adam Abdallah and Friends Memorial Day Wrigleyville and Lincoln cool. Park bar crawl today. Um, oh, so you won't you won't remember anything. So I'm not sure uh, if there will be grilling involved in this, uh, but it's the Adam Abdallah and Friends Memorial Day Wrigleyville and Lincoln Park bar crawl, sponsored by nobody. But I assume we'll start at Schoolyard. Well, so we're going to start at my apartment, and then the I put it out to the people. I said, do you want me to make food 
or do you want to get oh. food when we go out? And yeah. it was your, your style of cooking. And so was, Fred, he he tries to cook, and this is how I'm a good griller. This is how Adam cooks. He buys guac. And then he That's chops up a mango, thing. and he puts the mango in no, the guac, and he says he made guac. No, I go to Whole Foods, and I buy the mango salsa and the guacamole, and I put them together, and it's mango guacamole, and it's delicious. Shut your mouth. Now you're not allowed to have any. Okay? If you're going you to rip it, already, right? if you're gonna rip it okay. you're not allowed to have any. If you're going to rip it, you don't get to have any. No, but I'm, 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 not, I'm not carbon level, obviously, but I can grill. I can cook meat on you, a grill. You have a grill. I have a grill, and I can cook meat on it. But it was put out to the people that we should start, and then start at my place drink, eat a little bit, and then go to various uh, bars around the area and then be somewhere in time for Game 7 tonight. Probably, a lot of time. probably Kirkwood's. Yeah, It'll oh, probably yeah. be Schoolyard, so, uh, Kirkwood, Kirkwood, maybe um, a Sheffield. All the four thrown corners in there. bars. Yeah. yeah, so that's Shush. where we'll be at. Yeah, you're, you're near Sheffield's? Yeah, I'm right down. I mean, I'm on. I'm on the. You don't have to tell uh, me your I'm, on, yeah. I'm on the Southport corridor, so we okay. can walk you to should Sheffield. ask. His yeah. address is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no. For those who wanted to attend, yeah. See, my, I love. I love Sheffield. Sheffield is one of my favorite. Their food is phenomenal. Yeah. Their beer is great. The guy that owns their, runs it, Rocky, is their I outdoor met him patio. Once. Awesome guy. Is awesome. My yeah. problem is they don't. For what we want to do, they don't have yeah, enough TVs. It's not, not oh, going to okay. work. I think Kirkwood's will be. If the spot. I'm going to eat or drink and I don't need to watch multiple things at once. Love Sheffield. One of my favorite spots. But to watch a bunch of games at once, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's not the best. Hey, thanks to David from uh, Homewood and Matt from Chicago. Uh, why am I thanking you? You should thank us. You won the uh, <laughs> rugby tickets uh, coming up November 3rd. You can always buy those tickets at therugbyweekend.com. Black and Abdallah are going to enjoy their Sundays. Where can uh, we hear you tomorrow, Fred? Uh, right here. Me and Nick Friedel. Uh, We're going to talk cheeseburgers. And we're going to talk about uh, one game seven being history, another game seven getting ready. So there'll be a lot of basketball talk. That's the nice part about working with Nick. Just throw out a topic and uh, and then we'll be in for uh, Waddle and Sylvie in the afternoon. Very cool. After What's baseball. in between us? Oh, baseball. 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 Thanks for listening. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski right here. ESPN One Thousand. Nick.